You're listening to Fan Holes, a podcast for fans by the fans. Secret Brothers. I have clinical. You guys are like wasting my time right now. Hey, baby. What's <laughs> going on? This is my microphone voice. <laughs> Where do you buy those that? I need one. Yeah, I don't know what the fuck is going on. I didn't invent honorable mentions, mister. <laughs> I have a headset. It looks way cool. You should all be jealous. I, uh, we are. I'm with Mike on that one. I'm a woman! <laughs> it is our show. It's called Fan Holes, not, you know, what you guys want. <laughs> <laughs> We do a podcast? What the fuck? <laughs> oh, it's Fuels. This is Cosmo. Uh, I was just kidding. Deep-beat funny joke from members of Fanhole's podcast. The pop culture podcast made for the fans by the fans. <laughs> Oh, you fan holes, you are so funny, TPing me all kinds of funny jokes. Cosmo loves you. Welcome, welcome to another exciting episode of Fan Holes Podcast. Tonight we have a very, very special show. As you are listening to this podcast, the exciting brand new movie, Guardians of the Galaxy, should be out from Marvel Studios, and in honor of that movie's release, we thought what better time to have all five of the fan holes come together and discuss some of their favorite comic books, which are, of course, Guardians of the Galaxy comic books. This is Derek, Derek WC. I'm going to be your host tonight, and joining me are my fellow fan holes. Why don't you give a shout-out, guys? Yo, guys, it's Brian Breakdown. Hey, it's Mike Thunderwing, fucking cosmic stuff. I am Justin Warlock. And I am Tony. And I always wondered, did Nikki have, like, real fire crotch? Bam! <laughs> yeah! What's that? Wow! Guardians of the Galaxy. Sort of like Space Avengers. On that note, I think uh, me and Tony are the, the old codgers of the group. So I know we're definitely going to have a lot of love for the original Guardians of the Galaxy team. Yeah, I was like, wait, who's Nikki? I need to look this up. (laughs) No, she's old. She's old. I'm going to say it on the show. I said it when we were off the air. You are dead to me, Barber. Dead. (laughs) Um, But the the original Guardians of the Galaxy, for me, I I think I'm just going to bring this up because it reminds me of something. Since I listen to the Fire and Water podcast all the time, the guy on there, Shag, they've been talking about this thing about finding your comic book joy. And I'm just going to say, like, pretty much for for two of, we'll say, the three main eras of Guardians of the Galaxy, I think, you know, some people might be aghast that I lumped the original crew onto one era – but that original Guardians of the Galaxy crew and the Abnett and Lanning Guardians of the Galaxy comic book, like both those, even though they have a widely vast span of many years in between the 90s comic book and the comic book that was released in 2008, I'm going to go out there and just say 
both those comics are ways of finding your comic book joy for me. I mean, I was rereading the entire run of the original series, and I reread the Abnett and Lanning series, and it, it was a joy. It was a joy to reread those. It was a joy to sort of rediscover, like, oh, yeah, this stuff is fucking great. Like, it's it's really good comics. If you like science fiction or fantasy, if you like superhero comics, any of that kind of stuff, I, I think it's stuff that everybody can find something to sink their teeth into. Um, but what about you, Tony, since we're both the old men of the crew and we're going to talk about the original team for a little bit before we get into some of the newer stuff, what was the first time, like, you remember seeing Guardians of the Galaxy? Um, actually, oddly enough, I saw them originally based on the Marvel handbooks because there's a lot of entries for Thanos and Korvac and the Blood Brothers and all these guys, all these, like, you know, cosmic minions and stuff, and, of course, Adam Warlock and whatnot, and they kept referencing the Guardians of the Galaxy. And I'm like, who the fuck are these guys? Because they didn't really get a big entry in there and stuff. And I was like, all right, I guess they're something important. I don't know. Fuck it. I was I was really young, you know. And then in the 90s, we got a uh, rebooted uh, series from uh, Jim Valentino, and he was the, the artist on it. And I picked up the first issue, because the cover really grabbed me. You have, like, all the Guardians, like, just charging forth, and they're going to kick some ass. And I was young, so the promise of a spectacular first issue was awesome. <laughs> yeah, Jim Valentino was actually the writer and the artist on that oh, book okay. for, for a good, like, two and a half years or whatever before he, you know, jump shipped with all the other image guys and, and went off and did Shadowhawk. But... I think the only way I, I know some of us, besides me and Tony, have never read the original Guardians of the Galaxy or like Justin saying they're old. But what, what I would say to entice you guys is that you guys all seem to be big fans of the comic Exiles. And I think Guardians of the Galaxy, although it didn't go to myriad alternate universes, it was just one alternate universe. It had so many different interpretations of future versions of Marvel characters that I think you guys would totally be into it. Never mind the fact (laughs) Yeah, and never mind the fact that there were references to the old school Marvel universe when they eventually form like the Galactic Guardians. I, I, I know without a doubt all you guys are big fans of Wonder Man and you know what, just to get you guys to read it, I don't care if it's thirty year old spoilers, but the character Hollywood is actually Wonder Man. So that's one of those great kind of reveals where you're kind of like, hey, this is Simon Williams in the future. You know, yeah, so the ages there's lots of cool yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, so. I, My I only rebuttal to your stuff. plea that we read it is one word, and that's Charlie 27. So. <laughs> what? <laughs> See, I knew about Hollywood being Wonder Man because that's in the Abnett and Lanning series. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I also pieced that together myself. Like, uh, I, I was like, oh, he wears glasses. He's like, a I, super I hate all of you. Stuff. I hate you. All. <laughs> like, like, who is says, the burn victim? <laughs> I hate you. Anyway, Van Astro you know, is thing? cool. He's my favorite character. You guys are all lame. Well, you know, I'll, 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 I'll come and try to hopefully maybe save the day for you, Derek. If you have a really fondness for Marvel history, there is so much there, too. 
because they 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 kind of go back there. They mention like, oh yeah yeah, Ammon and Lannon did the whole Kill Raven thing, but they they talk about the real Kill Raven, not the bearded one. We're talking about like the really young Kill Raven. Yeah, they, they, about- they made a good effort to tie in all that future War of the Worlds type stuff together in the Guardians of the Galaxy. It's funny though when you when you get into the later run, like once Valentino left and it was Michael Gallagher who was doing all the writing on it. Actually, it cracked me up because they you would get bits and pieces of what happened in the war of the worlds, like where the Martians came and basically like killed all the superheroes and stuff. And so like my favorite part of it is like, you know, when you, when you get some snippets of it, of course, and I'm sure Mike's going to want to talk about these lamos, So we're going to bring them up, but uh, a future version of Iron Man basically is displayed in one of the first arcs in the original Guardians of the Galaxy, and they're called the Stark, not to be confused with the Game of Thrones clan, but these are aliens that have basically adapted Tony Stark's armor. And the original synopsis, you know, all you really knew about it was during the War of the Worlds, Tony Stark basically put all his technology on a big fucking rocket, shot it into space because he didn't want the Martians to get their hands on it. And that sounds pretty noble and heroic and all that kind of stuff. But of course you may also be thinking, wait, you just put all this dangerous stuff in a ship and just shot it any old where into space. (laughs) So of course it crashes. These aliens find it. They're a primitive kind of Neanderthal era lot and so basically they advance way beyond their means. Uh, you know, there's lots of political social commentary about pollution and how they kind of destroy their planet. And so they're basically ravaging the galaxy, looking for new worlds to, you know, spread their technology and, and basically conquer and, you know, take over, you know, different planets in the galaxy for their own use. Um, but what cracked me up about the later stuff with Michael Gallagher was he kind of, kind of addressed that or nipped that in the bud because there's this funny ass scene where Hollywood wonder man, who we've all discussed is remembering the last time he saw Tony Stark before, you know, all these people got killed off by the Martians. And it's this funny ass scene and Tony's like drunk off his ass again, per usual, the Martians, man, they're coming, bro. I'm just going <laughs> to send this ship off into fucking space. And he's like all on Jack Daniels or whatever he was, you know, clunking down at the time and stuff. So I actually, I, I found that kind of amusing. If you're a fan of Tony Stark, you probably wouldn't like it, but I, I thought it was kind of hilarious. And so. Yeah, I, I think the only thing about the uh, 90s run that I really didn't like was at some point and. God damn it, Wolverine, why do you have to come into my fucking comics all the damn time? Was when Rancor appeared, and she's like, apparently some fucking descendant or alien or some fucking shit who's tied with Wolverine. And there's just a really long arc about her getting one of Wolverine's claws so she can use it as a weapon. And for some reason, I don't understand the art in it, because Wolverine's claw, one claw that comes out of his fucking hand, is as big as a fucking katana, how they draw it. Well, actually, I, I, I totally approve of this, and it proves why the original Guardians of the Galaxy comic is awesome, and all you people are lame. You know how that happened? You know how Wolverine lost one of his six claws? Oh, they say it, but I'll let you say it. I'll, I'll let you explain. Uh, he got into a battle with Gladiator. That's right. Gladiator, who's an ersatz Superman, and Gladiator broke the fucking claw off his hand. <laughs> so that's why this comic book is awesome. 
<laughs> the story is cool. I just don't like Rancor. Rancor just sucks, but the story is good. Well, they, they, they had different future interpretations of a lot of stuff. I mean, they, they had a future Ghost Rider who was basically hunting down people who were part of the Universal Church of Truth. And, of course, like my favorite character, one of my favorite characters is the Silver Surfer. And then he returns later as a character called the Keeper. And he's actually mega powered up because not only is he like the Silver Surfer with the power cosmic, but he's also got Quasar's quantum bands, Brian, quantum (laughs) bands. And he's really awesome and everything. You actually find out something, and I'm just going to spoil it here, Brian, because you find out that Starhawk's true father... As opposed to, I know some people might think this is blasphemous because they really like the Steve Gerber run of Guardians of the Galaxy, like all the issues he did. In in Steve Gerber's original origin of Starhawk, he had these weird, like, freaky-deaky mutant parents, and it was like this chick with, like, I don't know, tentacles and bug eyes, and his dad was like, I don't know, Kermit the Frog or something. I don't know, it was really, like... (laughs) kooky like the way these these the, his parents looked and everything like they looked really kind of you know deformed mutant type people or whatever and uh that was basically the canon origin but later when kevin gallagher was writing the um or kevin gallagher it's kevin west who did the art and michael gallagher who did the the writing when michael gallagher was doing his run on the guardians of the galaxy they sort of did a secret Alan Moore, you know, what you know isn't what you really think you know, retcon on Starhawk's origin, and he finds out that the people he thought were his parents weren't really his parents. So he goes on this, like, long quest to find out who his parents were, and it turns out that his parents were Quasar and her, you know, like from the Mark Grenwald Quasar run, the you know, female Adam Warlock or whatever. And so I thought that was kind of an interesting little retcon. And, you know, if you're a fan of Quasar, there's, there's several issues where they actually, he actually goes into the quantum bands and he gets a chance to like, you know, meet his quote unquote dad, even though there's a lot of subtext where he doesn't think that Quasar knows and he thinks, but Quasar really does know. And, you know, there's, there's lots of cool stuff like that with, you know, Epoch and, all that kind of stuff. So yeah, which makes sense because Starhawk uses light constructs. So it's like, hey, wait, that that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not it's not just kind of an arbitrary retcon. Like, oh, I think Quasar is cool, or I think Starhawk's original origin is dumb, or you know, it, it was something that was thought out. So yeah, and just for uh, longtime listeners who are big fans of the Marvel universe. In case you didn't know, another nod to Marvel history is like right now, even in Marvel now. Even though it is a different future, the old team, the the leader of the team, Vance Astrovic, or Astro is Vance Astro, is actually the hero we know more normally as Marvel Boy or Justice, and he's Vance Astro in our current timeline. I mean, I again, this doesn't mean he's going to turn into Major Victory. Yeah, but, actually, they they kind of explicitly state in like the early appearances, like after they crossed over with the Avengers and had a yeah. bunch of appearances in regular Marvel continuity. Basically, you know, every time you would see those little asterisks where it references you to a certain issue, it was like you know when when uh, Jim Shooter was the editor, then you'd always have that reference where they'd say, "This is the point where." the original Marvel Universe diverged from the Guardians of the Galaxy timeline, which is basically when Vance Astro from the Guardians meets Vance Astrovic from the New Warriors and then creates, like, this alternate timeline, which is basically the 616 universe, you know, that that we have come to know. 
Yeah, but it's just kind of a cool little nod. I always like that. I mean, yeah, as far well, I mean, as... I mean, that's another thing. You, I, I was always kind of surprised. Like, I know Brian's a big fan of the New Warriors, but I was always kind of surprised that he never read anything from the original run, given that he was a fan of the New Warriors. I mean, maybe Vance wasn't his favorite character or something, but I just thought those connections were were pretty strong. Like, if you read one book, you would probably read the other. But I mean, at least as that's a how kid, though, I didn't really have the. Uh knowledge or purchasing ability to, like, track down Guardians books when, like, you know, that that connection was made in New Warriors and stuff. When you you read New Warriors, it wasn't off the stands? Was it all back issues or...? No, it was on the stands, but I used to go to, like, a Hy-Vee, which was, like, um, kind of like a Midwest grocery store chain. So we didn't have any... Yeah, basically. So they always had Amazing Spider-Man. They always had X-Men and comics. And, you know, when New Warriors first came out, they had those in stock for quite a long time. But um, I think the only time I'd ever seen uh, Guardians of the Galaxy comic was, uh, like, when my friend brought him to middle school. And, you know, I mean, I didn't get much time with it or anything. And so, I mean, that was it. I, I really didn't have the chance to purchase them for myself then. Yeah, um, I, I know I'm giving you guys a hard time, but I mean, in your defense, I, I could appreciate the fact that if you never read the 90s Guardians of the Galaxy series and the only way you were ever exposed to them was like in the Korvac saga or some other random cameo, like they don't really make the greatest of showings in some of those guest appearances and stuff. It's not like <laughs> yeah, not like everybody the dies in the Korvac saga, yeah. is like super badass in the Defenders or anything like that, you know, like so I could I could understand why maybe, you know, the, there, there's that kind of hesitance or, or what have you, but my thing is just like kind of like the OG X Men or the original X Men. I like the original Guardians of the Galaxy team, and I just think it's only fair to give them their their due, you know, justice or you know. I, I will I will say like in a in an era that is primarily known for being grim and gritty and over the top and. Everybody's got to have fucking guns, and everybody's got to be like, you know, I killed my mother twice. Now this is why I'm this way. The the Guardians were actually kind of a lighthearted and fun book. You know, it was like, oh, this is like old school comics, but it's new stories and stuff. So I think that's why I really enjoyed them. Yeah, and 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 back to the Exiles comparison. I mean, it is fun because if you have a working familiarity with the Marvel universe then, you know, you're going to at least know the basics of X-Men and Iron Man and Ghost Rider and Galactus and the Silver Surfer and all these different characters. And and eventually you get to see all these kind of awesome future incarnations of those characters, you know. So so in that regard, it's it's a fun kind of alternate universe-ish type book where you get to see cool interpretations of, of different characters or characters who have aged or, you know, you, you know, Dr. Doom, um, you've Vision. got Vision, you know, as mainframe in the, the Galactic Guardians team, you know, you've got those crazy Punisher guys who were like, really <laughs> yeah, I remember them and everything. Cause Vance Astro brought some holodisks back with like the history of superheroes and different things like that. So I, you know, and, and of course, you know, just to speak up for my favorite character who is Vance Astro, he had a really nice arc in that original nineties run. You know, he, he, I think when, when Steve Gerber was writing him, he and, and and in some of his early first appearances, he was kind of like early Spider-Man where he had a big chip on his shoulder. And the reason why he had a big chip on his shoulder was because basically he's the thousand-year-old man. And what he did was he, you know, was a space traveler. But when he left Earth, 
he had to be sealed in this suit so that he would survive the trip. So instead of it being like a cryotube in Aliens, where the tube keeps the person alive the whole time for space travel, and then he comes out of the tube when he's finished making this you know, thousand light year journey. It's like the actual suit he wore was sealed and kept him preserved for his thousand year journey. But the sad joke of what happened to Vance is that by the time he woke up, all that time he spent (laughs) traveling, there were already people that had colonized those planets because they discovered this Kind of basically, it'd be like you know Cochrane and Star Trek, but there's this guy called Harkov, and they basically discover faster than light travel, and so that's why in a lot of the original Guardians comics, you'll have people being like Harkov's bones. What the fuck's going on here? Because they're basically you know he he's one of the most famous people for you know basically creating that form of travel. But of course, the sad joke is he's like, oh, I, I gave up all this time and effort and you know, to be the first person to to come this far into space. And then, of course, people had already beat him to it. And meanwhile, he's trapped in this suit. So in a lot of the early issues, you know, Steve Gerber would have, you know, Vance Astro, he'd go to like the strip bar or something like that and be like, all these ladies are super sexy in the strip bar, but I can't touch them because I'm vacuum sealed and I'm angry and I got a chip on my shoulder. And he would like yell at everybody all the time. I and, like, can't even I get a boner I... in this thing. What the fuck? Yeah. And it's like, I don't know that I love that. Cause I didn't grow up reading that version of Vance. Like he, he definitely, and, and when the 90 series starts, they didn't abandon that version of the character, but they definitely gave him a nice transition where, you know, he, he is this kind of guy who's a little internalized and, and kind of angry at the, the lot he's been thrown in life. But as they progress, you know, eventually he, he gets free of that suit and he forms relationships and, you know, with Alita and, and all the different characters. And he basically kind of emerges as the leader of the team. And, you know, I just, I enjoyed seeing that character grow and, and, going along with him on that journey. So. He, also, he also felt kind of bad for him, too, because, like, not only was he sealed in that suit, but if it got, like, the slightest rip, since he was an old man, basically, in that suit, he would fucking die. So he yeah. had to be extra yeah. careful when fighting, too, yeah. Well, it's interesting, because later, then, they, they, he gets out of the suit, and, and then uh, eventually, like, later on, they actually put him back in a suit, but it's hinted that the Beyonder's the one who gave him the suit, so uh, I guess to Mike, who's a big Spider-Man fan, it's kind of hinted that that's almost like an alien symbiote type suit, or maybe the the suit that Spider-Man thought he was going to be wearing when instead of the actual symbiote or something like that, like like, like a better Beyond- version. Yeah, like one that's not actually going to you know like eat his brain or <laughs> what you know try to abuse him or whatever that kind of thing. Um, but uh, there, there's that aspect to it. There's lots of fun stuff with Spider-Man too because there's the, there was this big mystery of Spider-Man, and of course, very much like what if you you know of course you know the Martians did kill Spider-Man, right? But what was nice about it was he got like major fan aura because basically in that that. it was like, he's the last man standing. Like he's the spider and the Martians shit their pants when the spider came on the battlefield. (laughs) And it was like all this badass shit. And in in the superhero memorial museum, he has like his own, his own wing and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I I always thought that was cool. Yeah. Yeah. Like he was, he he got a lot of major props in that, in that series and, and how, 
you know, how he went out in the future and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, there, there's just, there's, there's lots of cool stuff in it. So I just didn't want anybody to disregard that. You know, it's a nice, uh, about 60 issue long run in the nineties. And of course, you know, prior to that, they appeared in, you know, they first appeared in Marvel superheroes in the late sixties. And then there were, you know, various appearances in, you know, a myriad of titles, you know, but of course none of them ever lasted long enough for them to have their own real ongoing series. But uh, eventually that, you know, that basically happened in 1990. And then, you know, that series went on for, like I said, over 60 issues. Um, you know, it, it kind of ends in the middle, you know, like they, 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 they obviously had more to say, but it was eventually canceled. But I think it had a nice, long, healthy run and there's lots of cool things in it. So, um, you know, for me, I'm just I, I would recommend people check that out. And at least for, from my point of view, it's one of my comic book joys. But uh, I guess uh, I was I was well, I was just going to say that I am one of those people who you mentioned earlier who like first like encountered them during the Korvac saga. And I was, like, tracking down Avengers, like, back issues and old stories to read. And, like, yeah, I was kind of, like, I was reading I was like, who are these lamos? Like, where are the Avengers? Like, I don't want to read about these stupid-ass people. Like, and, you know, and, like, Starhawk was, like, annoying me. He was like, accept the word of one who knows. And I was like, and I was kind of like, you don't know shit, man. Like, you got your ass fried by Korvac. So you don't have to <laughs> I was going to say, just for a fun note for everybody who likes history, um, at one point during the series, uh, Starhawk, who uh, goes through his own, he, he actually has his own little uh, storyline. Starhawk's a dick. He's a giant dick. He's an asshole. He is really self-important, and he thinks really highly of himself. But he also kind of goes into a transformation at some point where he actually becomes almost like a full-on villain, anti-hero kind of thing. He, he's like a dick even more than he was. And he has his own agenda, but he's still kind of a hero. I don't know. It's it's, it's really an interesting thing. It's, it, it's you, you want to hear something kind of interesting about that in terms of comic history because that I was, was gonna say, they they were good. I was gonna, I was about to mention that he turned into uh, a evil version of himself. But since Marvel Comics already had a character called Darkhawk, they had to call him Dark Starhawk. Well, besides that, like <laughs> what was originally going to happen was he was going to call him Shadowhawk. Because it was Jim <laughs> Valentino. But eventually it was like one of those things where, you know, I think one of Jim's editors was like, oh, keep some good ideas for yourself later. And so basically he ended up, you know, they ended up going with kind of like the whole Dark Phoenix thing. You know, it's like, oh, Dark Starhawk, you know, to kind of bring that insinuation into the the storyline. But I, I, I always thought it was interesting that the, the original Impulse was to call him Shadowhawk, which, of course, later materialized into a completely, totally different concept and character. Yeah, I never heard that one. I heard about the, the Darkhawk thing, because they're like, we already have Darkhawk, sorry. <laughs> yeah, it's funny, because the, the, there's this cool little uh, synopsis from Jim Valentino of, of the plots that he had planned for after, like, issue 27 or 28, once he left the book to go to image. And and the one thing that I thought was great about it was they were, he was actually going to have Vance and Alita get married. And it kind of reminded me of like all the, the, you know, weddings they had in the nineties, like whether it was like Gene and, and um, Gene Gray and Scott Summers or like, you know, eventually, you know, like Lois Lane and Clark Kent or, you know, things like that. So I, I thought that would have been a nice little fun event had they gone that route, you know? 
Yeah, just let the fans know, Starhawk was actually bonded to a, a woman named Alita, and they would switch out bodies originally, and then at some point they just couldn't even switch out bodies. They, she would just be able to take control of the Starhawk body. So it made uh, the romantic thing kind of interesting for a few issues. Yeah, I mean, eventually they split permanently, so it was a yeah. lot less kind of strange or whatever. But yeah, there's definitely a, a Ranma one-half kind of thing going on with Starhawk and Alita, if people are familiar with that anime or manga. Anytime there's an imbalance detected, thanks to Warlock here, we intervene and deal with the situation, whatever it may be. But do you think the old guys should just shut up now and then... We'll yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm fine the with moving, I'm yeah. moving, you know, because besides this being my comic joy, I mean, my transition is the 2008 series by Abnett and Lanning is also one of my great comic book joys. It doesn't just have to be, you know, something that is a classic or an older comic book, you know, a more, you know, kind of, you know, refined, you know, it doesn't have to be the, the, you know, 1968, you know, Chateau wine, you know, it can be some wine from, you know, a couple of years ago. Cause it's, it's really good stuff. So, I mean, I, I'll let everybody else go to town on the, uh, the Abnett and Lanning Guardians of the Galaxy, but I, I'm just going to say, man, these were the guys who were writing a cool Ultron story when Bendis couldn't fucking make heads or tails of Ultron. <laughs> so, you know, the, these guys are awesome in my book. I mean, one of the great connections is I always thought of the Guardians of the Galaxy as kind of like Marvel's version of the Legion of Superheroes. And maybe that's why it's kind of tough for people to get into that original version of the Guardians, kind of like Mike was talking about during the Korvac saga. But I think they're they're pretty much similar characters. And, of course, Abnett and Lanning did a wonderful run on Legion Lost and the Legion of Superheroes. And, you know, honestly, they're great at doing cosmic stuff, and it seemed only like a natural fit that they did Guardians of the Galaxy. It's so. kind of funny you mentioned that, and, I, and I'll shut up after this in later, but I'll talk. But it's funny you mentioned Legion because... Uh, the Abnett and Lanning uh, Guardians of the Galaxy actually had that kind of Legion vibe where during the course of the run, the team kept changing with the roster. It wasn't just in the original one. It was pretty much a set team. They would get new members or lose a member every now and then. But in the Abnett and Lanning one, it was like at one point, everybody fucking leaves. And you have like a whole new cast almost except for like two mainstays. And I, I really, I really appreciate that because it was a lot of – characters who have been established in other comics before, so it wasn't just like, whole bunch of new fuckers. It's like, no, I know you, and I know you, and I know you. Oh, that's so awesome. You know, I, I like that. Yeah, so opening up the Abnet and Lanning section to the other fan holes, what about you, Justin? What, what's the first time you remember taking notice of the Guardians of the Galaxy? And e even if it's the old Guardians or, or this new Guardians from DNA, like, could you go into some depth about that and, and kind of what your take on the whole Guardians thing is? Sure. Um, I knew about the original Guardians just because I had their first appearance, uh, Marvel Superheroes 18. Like, I had that comic, but I never read it because a lot of my older comics I just, you know, I bought for you know, collector purposes. And, um but, you know, kind of like Mike, I, I guess the first story of theirs I read was Korvac. But then I read other stuff like there's a Marvel 2 and 1 or they go into the future with Thing and Captain America, I think. I like that. And uh, you already mentioned the Defenders issues. It's like there's like a giant size and then it's like 26 through 29 where, you know, Vance meets himself as a kid in like, you know, the 80s. Like I always thought that was like a good uh, – some good team up between the Guardians and the Defenders because I, I like the Defenders, but – during the 90s, like, I remember reading a few, like, random issues of Guardians, but 
kind of like Mike, I'm just like, who are these guys? I, they're like, uh, I kind of thought of them as like kind of like the lame version of the Avengers, but in space. So I never, I never gave much mind to them. But as far as like the Advent Lynn series, like I've been following Annihilation. Like that's that was my lifeline to Marvel for a long time was all that cosmic stuff because I I'd quit reading X Men, I'd quit reading Avengers because Bendis was doing his mucky muck nonsense. So like the Annihilation stuff was the only Marvel comics I was reading. And then, you know, that's that's where they those characters originally started interacting. You know, you had um, Star Lord there, like he was still like half cyborg, and you had Drax and all these other guys. And they finally formed a team. And I was like, well, this this is going to be great. And then they brought in Adam Warlock, and I, I really like Adam Warlock. Yeah, so. I'm curious. I'm, I'm curious uh, what Brian's take on the whole thing is because if I'm if I'm thinking right, I know you're a big fan of Warlock, and then of course I'm I'm kind of curious how you discovered the Guardians of the Galaxy on your own time? Um, sort of like Justin was talking about, like, um, I started reading the Nova series, and then that kind of led to Annihilation, which led to Guardians, but, um, yeah, I mean, so I kind of got, like, introduced slowly, like I said, until then. My uh, really only exposure to them had been on a lunchroom table in, like, fifth grade when I saw, like, you know, the cover for a split second, but, um, you know, it, it really, like, introduced me to, like, characters I hadn't really known about. Like, Rocket looks like he's probably someone from, like, the 60s or 70s when Marvel was a little bit sillier, but I'd never heard of him until I started reading the book. And, like, all these characters that were new to me or previously that I thought were kind of lame, like Drax from Infinity Watch, who's retarded. But, um, like, it made all these guys cool to me. And, like, you know, I, I just it, it, um, just really, like, got into it and got into the characters and um, was really sad when it left, actually. Yeah, it's a, it was a it was a great little twenty five issue run that they had. I mean, I thought it was a great comic book. I mean, there, there's so many good things in that comic book that it, I I just you know kind of what you were bringing up. You, you know, they take a character like Rocket Raccoon, who you know I would refer to to the much in the way I piss off you know Wolverine fans by calling Wolverine a two bit Hulk villain. You know, I would also call Rocket Raccoon kind of like a a two-bit, like, Hulk character. You know what I mean? Like, it's like something that... Is that what he's from, like, originally? Well, I I think there might have been an issue before that, but I I remember Rocket Raccoon. Like, my take on Rocket was, you know, he was a character that was during Bill Mantlo's Hulk run, and then then they gave him his own miniseries after that in, I think, the 80s. But I guess I'll have to... Wasn't he just like a take on the uh, verse of, and Rocky Raccoon, wasn't that like his origins, basically? (laughs) Probably. I mean, Bill Mantlo was not was not uh, known for being very original. He may have been pretty prolific, but I don't know that I'd, I'd that, call him an original that writer. That is why uh, Rocket Raccoon has like a Cockney accent in like Marvel vs. Capcom 3, because it's a Beatles reference. Hmm. Wow. I nailed it. That's crazy. That's for letting them mess up Raccoon City, you wanker. I was, well, I, uh, I was, I was, I was curious about that, so I looked it up. So I was like, oh, well, that that kind of makes more sense. Yeah, I guess technically the first story was in Marvel Preview, but I don't know if that's because it just like kind of covered that issue of the Hulk, or if it actually had a story in it or not. So. But I, I was I was going to go back to Justin real quick, if if you don't mind. You said you you really like Warlock, and he's one of your favorite characters. How do you like how they handled him with the uh, DNA series? Um, here here's the thing I like. 
and that kind of drives me crazy about that series is like they mess with your emotions so much. It's like you know, there's like a point there where like half the team is dead, they get taken out, and you're like, man, that's like some of my favorite characters there, and then eventually they come back, but then they keep they keep messing with characters. It's like you know. Uh, well, that that issue nineteen, that's a great fucking like that's like total Alan Moore shit, like but done well, like like oh, just that's such a well done issue where he's got like the cosmic cube and Star Lord has to like cap him in the head and everything, like that's just awesome. Yeah, but like they they really know how to like mess with your emotions, like as far as the characters go, like they you get invested in the characters and like the relationship between some of the characters, like you know Moon Dragon, it seems like. Her and Phyla are never alive for more than like a couple of issues, and then the other one dies, and then the other one spends like <laughs> ten issues like going, "Oh, Moon Dragon, you're dead. We didn't get spend any time together." And then when they finally get reunited, the other one dies. <laughs> but like Adam Warlock, I mean, you, you could tell that they were going to go into the Magus thing because he it, it was teased quite often, and they kept going into the you know Universal Church of Truth and whatnot. And I was like, man, you need to stay away from that because that's how you're going to go with Magus. And then, of course, he does. <laughs> but um, <laughs> luckily, uh, Jim Starlin is going to do a Thanos, I guess, graphic novel. And it's going to be in continuity, and Adam Warlock's going to be coming back. So I, I'm happy for that. But, like, for Tony's question, yeah, that kind of like, I like what they did with him, him in um, the DNA series. But at the same time, I'm kind of like, man. Like, can I have, like, my, my happy moment? It's like when you watch Buffy and get invested, it's like your happy moment never lasts for more than, like, 10 or 20 minutes, it seems. Yeah. On the bright side, it did really piss the fuck out of Vulcan, so it made him <laughs> pissed off as hell. So at least that's Yeah, he, he does make a really good showing against Vulcan. So that was, was talking about, like, the War King stuff. I, you know, I, I feel like I want to answer Tony's question, too, and hopefully maybe this spurs some more discussion about Adam Warlock. But I feel like Adam Warlock in the Guardians of the Galaxy is kind of like the way I feel about how Grant Morrison wrote Orion, in that I feel like it's a little off and a little wrong, but... What's great about the way that Abnett and Lanning do it is it never really bothered me. I, I, cause, because they, they, they have all these quips with one another, and there's like great little exchanges between Gamora and Warlock, who have plenty of history, like we're talking about, with the Infinity Watch. But I love all the clips where it's like, you know, they just kind of talk to each other, and Gamora's like, you know, you're not the same man I remember. You're not the same man you used to be. And he's kind of like, yes, I'm a different man now. So I, I don't know what it is, but it's like just that little bit of dialogue, like, that made it okay with me. Yeah. Whereas somebody mm-hmm. like, of course, Bendis, who maybe we'll get into later and maybe we won't, like, <laughs> there's no acknowledgement of that. It's just they're different because I'm writing them, and fuck you if you don't like it. And 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 what I thought was very great about the Abnett and Lanning run was, yeah, characters evolve and change. You know, Drax Spur was kind of a a serious, eloquent, you know, well-spoken character when he first appeared and was created by Jim Starlin. And then later, when Jim Starlin revisited that character during the whole Infinity craze in the 90s, eventually he became this kind of you know, uh, de-evolution, much like Bane and Killer Croc and all these kind of strong guys go through in comics where they come on the scene and they're like, I'm intelligent and I'm dangerous. And then all of a sudden they devolve into like, 
I'm dumb, I break shit, you know, and, and that's kind of how Drax eventually, you know, went down that road. I mean, there's even an issue of the original Guardians of the Galaxy, you know, the 90s series, where Drax the Destroyer has not aged, but he's in a prison planet. And the only way that they can keep him docile is by letting him watch cartoons on a television screen, much like they did in the Infinity Watch. So basically, the insinuation is Drax has been sitting there in a prison cell watching fucking cartoons for, like, thousands of years, you know? And and the way the issue ends is, like, they totally bust up the whole entire prison. And, of course, his TV is pretty much shot to shit. But then, of course, the TV falls over and the static snow comes on the TV and he sits down and he starts watching it. And he's like, hmm. He's like, this, not so good. But it getting better. Ha, ha, ha. You know? And, like, that's how the issue ends. This is my new Breaking Bad. Where, where, you know, yeah, there's going to be lots of different interpretations of characters, but what I loved about the Abnett and Lanning run is in revisiting these characters, it doesn't shit over the previous version, but they definitely make those characters their own. Um, I guess speaking of that, the, uh, you know, because I got this Jack Flag avatar staring me in the face, Mike. You want to tell us a little bit about your introduction to Guardians and, and maybe some things you want to go into? Well, believe it or not, like the first time I read this team was way back in Fanhole's history when we, we did a topic on the Thanos imperative. So, like, I kind of read that, and that was kind of like the end point to this era of Guardians, pretty much. So, like, I read that, and I enjoyed it, and I I never got around to, like, like, I knew Brian loved it, I knew, like, you guys said it was good, and, like, like, to prepare for this podcast, like, I went and read it, finally, the whole, like, Abnett and Lanning series, and yeah, I, I really enjoyed it, I mean... I guess I like this team, like, this team, like, I guess sings a lot better to me than, like, the original team, just because, I don't know, they're more, like, ragtag, I guess, I don't know, like, I don't know how best to describe it, it seems like, like, the original team was obviously, like, designed, like, as a team, like, they kind of all, like, look like the same, like, design aesthetic, maybe, and this yeah. team is just a bunch of, like, ragtag, like, varied characters and stuff, I guess. Like, I, I don't know what it is, but, like, the original team kind of looked like a product of their time, almost. Whereas, I feel like, what this, you're laying down. Yeah. <laughs> this team, like, has, like, I don't know, like, um, some variety, I guess. Like, not, I don't know. I guess I'm not explaining it well, but if Ryan gets it, then that, that, that's all I need, you know? But, um, well, I mean, I, I think it does have that Avengers aesthetic to it, yeah. the Abnett and Lanning team, the fact that they're they're all pre-existing characters that are thrown into a situation together, and they don't all necessarily get along. You know? yeah. So you, you have some natural tension, as opposed to maybe a team that's X-Men style. They were a team at the outset, the tension is all pre-planned, they don't all necessarily come from another... Yeah, the, the only comic book, you know, they're kind of put together by design on purpose. Whereas these guys, maybe they're put together by design eventually, but they all had previous histories, and and natural conflicts can be exploited between all yeah. the different characters. Like I, I remember reading the Thanos Imperative and being like, oh wait, so this is where like Mantis has been, and this is where like Moon, a Moon Dragon has been, and like I haven't read these, like I haven't seen these characters in years or whatever. Oh, they've been in space. Okay, well, that's probably why I haven't seen them, you know? 
No, and and yeah, like even someone like like I I made my avatar Jack Flag because like like you like I joke like I'm kind of like I'm kinda, his attitude like really like like you know stuck with me where he's just like oh I hate this fucking cosmic shit and stuff like and like I don't I don't hate cosmic stuff but like at time I don't prefer it to like you know all the Earth based stuff like I'd I'd rather be on Earth like in New York or you know wherever and like doing street level stuff but like so it's kind of refreshing like to have like this character voicing like my opinion almost and in the actual comic like albeit in a somewhat extreme and like hilarious way and also like you know the last time i saw jack flag he was in thunderbolt so obviously like you know there's a through line there so you know yeah I, I think even in that, in terms of that character, like, it's nice that he goes through an arc, too, because he may be saying, oh, man, I don't get any of this cosmic stuff, dude. But as as the story progresses, there are certain, you know, situations where he acquiesces. You know, he, he kind of starts to say, hey, you know, this isn't so bad. And, and, and hopefully if, if you're that person, you can you can sort of join him for the ride on his arc, you know, and, and kind of come to that conclusion yourself. Kind of much in the same way that I was talking about how characters might be written a little differently from the way you remembered them being interpreted. But the fact that they take you you know, and kind of hold your hand for the journey, it makes it a good ride, you know? Well, I think the thing about Jack Flagg that is really cool, and hopefully Mike agrees, is, like, when he was introduced, it was, it was during an arc where Star-Lord's in the negative zone, and he has to, like, figure out how to get the fuck out of there. And he hooks up with Jack Flagg, who's still in the negative zone prison from way back when in Civil War. And when you see him, you think he's going to be a one-off character. He's just going to be in this, like, you know, uh, storyline. And they totally did that thing on TV shows that they never do on TV shows where they actually, instead of bringing in a new character who sucks, they, like, show a character that everybody's like, oh, he's really cool. He'd be really great. You know, like, on Star Trek, it's like, oh, that guy would be really cool on the, like, Enterprise, you know? Let's have him, like, come back as a character. And they made him a fucking character on the, like, you know, regular comic. And I was like, that's really cool, you know? Like, when I saw him, I thought he was going to be, like, a one-off guy. You know, he's going to be in here for a couple issues, and he's going to go home and be like, fuck this cosmic stuff. But he's like... Eh, you, you know, you done fixed my legs. I got my power back. <laughs> I was gonna say, like, one of my my favorite moments in that whole series, and like, I guess this is a, a side note tangent too. But one thing I really liked about that that series is those little like interlude, like side off, like mission logs where everyone oh, like, talks great. to the camera and stuff. Like, I think that really adds something to the series. But one, my favorite one is like. Uh, I, I don't know, Rocket has to explain something to, like, someone else, and he's kind of like, you know, there's a black hole with the, the antimatter charge is, like, blowing up, like, reality and blah, 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 and then it cuts to, like, a like a, a, di- a mission log from Rocket, and he goes, like, he kind of goes, man, you know, sometimes I know exactly how Jack Flagg feels, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, 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 Derek, should, should, we, should we broach Rocket Raccoon? Because Brian and Justin both have Rocket Raccoon is their avatar, so apparently there's some mad fan love going on with him. Well, I mean, he definitely has, like, lots and lots of media exposure to this point. I mean, more so than any of the other Guardians of the Galaxy. I mean, there's not a, a you know, there's not a Vance Astro in Marvel vs. Capcom. There's not a Star-Lord in Marvel vs. Capcom, so... I mean, you know, you've got some some significant love there. I mean, it's probably just because, you know, I mean, you know, why fight it? Like, people have to be suckers for anthropomorphic talking animals, right? I mean, 
I think they just have to, like, sell him the most, basically. Like, you know, hey, get in on the joke. You know, he's cool. <laughs> like, you know, mm-hmm. pretty much, I, you know. I, I think that's going to be the challenge of the movie. You know, it's like X-Men, Fantastic Four, Iron Man. Like, their comics have been around since the, since the 60s. They've had various cartoon series. Their action figures have been toy aisles. But Guardians, it's like more of a hardcore comic reader thing, like, the general public is going to be like, what, a talking raccoon in a tree? Like, this is some nonsense. I don't know if I can follow you down this road, Marvel guys. So you're going to have to, like, you know, you're going to have to push some of these characters, like, you know, Rocket Spin in. I think we talked about this on a previous podcast because I talked about him getting exposure. You know, he was in Marvel vs. Capcom 3. The Guardians have been on Avengers. There are many heroes. They were in the Ultimate Spider-Man. Yeah, they're now their Ultimate Spider-Man. And then that thing you posted the other day, I mean, they're they're working on giving the Guardians of the Galaxy their own cartoon eventually, too. So, And Rocket does have his own action figure now. You know, I mean, I don't know if this is a horrible analogy. I don't think it is, but it might be horrible for people who are fans of Rocket Raccoon. But I think, you know, Howard the Duck, is something that is similar. And, and of course, the film version was a big bomb. It didn't go over well. But a lot of people critically praise, you know, Steve Gerber's Howard the Duck for whatever insane reason. You know, and so, you know, you've got... I'm so secret brothering with you right now because I'm like, they're heading toward a Howard the Duck thing and they're trying to veer off and make it be like, no, this can be fucking good. Where with Howard the Duck, they just ran right into it and it fucking sucked as far as the movie. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, it could go down that road, but I don't think it will. Actually, I think, I think, uh, you know, I, I've talked to some people, some friends of mine who are not comic book fans, but now they're reading the Guardians of the Galaxy comic book because they're excited about this movie. You know, because you know, I have friends who like get to read scripts and different things like that, and so you know, they're, they they've already kind of they kind of know where the whole movie is going and where it's headed, and they're kind of excited about it. So. So, I, I mean, I think that speaks well to to the movie adaption of that, and it also speaks well to people accepting, you know, characters like Rocket Raccoon or like Groot or Drax or, you know, because, I mean, a lot of the fear from, from your average fan is that, one, their characters won't be done justice, and then the, the next average fear is that not only would the character not be done justice but that people won't get these, quote-unquote, second, third-tier, you know, A, B, C, Z-list characters. But yeah. I think, you know, I mean, you know, there's there's a lot to be said about, you know, the, the strongness of the brand. I mean, especially when you have people making comparisons about, you know, Warner Brothers can't get a Wonder Woman film off the ground, but Marvel can get a film off the <laughs> ground with a talking raccoon. I mean, I've heard that. So many times. I mean, it doesn't make me happy as a as a DC fanboy, but I mean, I mean, I, I think people who say that enough and often enough, I mean, there must be something to that. So you know, in terms of of those characters, I mean, you know, and and I I think part of that is a lot of the great writing in the Advent and Landing Run. I mean, Rocket Raccoon is a trusted and loyal friend to Star Lord, and Star Lord's kind of these, you know. Han Solo-ish kind of adventurous character that that probably a lot of moviegoers can get behind. I mean, that's that's where they're coming at it from. They they want to have a sort of Marvel franchise that's that's like Star Wars basically, and 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 that's what yeah, they're well, hoping I, for. Well, so. I think the I think the core three people of the group, if you like, look at all the various incarnations of the Abnett Landing team, 
it, it's it's going to be Star Lord, Rocket Raccoon, and Groot. And it's because Star Lord and Rocket Raccoon are really good friends, and somehow Rocket Raccoon and Groot are really good friends. Yeah. I did, I did enjoy, I do enjoy in any scene where, like, Star-Lord and Rocket Raccoon are, like, at a bar, like, just kind of, like, drinking together. Like, it's just kind of funny. Like, like you know, they're, they're both looking, like, like drowsy or, you know, they're just yeah. kind of, like, you know, they're buddies, basically. I, yeah, I think it's definitely. cool. Yeah. Well, I, I, I mean, oh, go ahead, Tom. No, I, I was going to say is, like, I, I think that's what's going to make or break it because Howard the Duck they they kind of pulled a Sonic with him. They're like, look how outrageous he is. He's saying all this crazy shit. And whoa, Howard the Duck is the coolest character ever. And I think if they approach Rac- Rocket Raccoon as just a character, a good character, don't get me wrong, but if they if they don't fucking harp on the fucking raccoon shit, it'll work out just fine. What I mean... Do you, do you think, like, because it, it does have the danger to be harped on, like, with the Ultimate Spider-Man thing, where it's like, don't call me a raccoon and, and get out of my garbage, raccoon, or, you know, like, that kind of thing. So. I, I think, like, one joke would be fine, like, if they call him, like, you know, like, like if somebody says, like, man, you look like a raccoon, like, I don't know, and, like, he's like... Yeah, you know, and he, he has, like, a funny quip. Like, one little joke will do it, but as long as you're not throughout the whole fucking movie, like, oh, my God, a raccoon saved our life. Holy shit, look at that raccoon. He's so fucking awesome. As long as they don't do that kind of shit, yeah. It, there, there's, like, two things they need to avoid. He can't say Bland murdered you in the movie, and <laughs> if Leia Thompson shows up and falls in love with him, I'm walking out of the movie. That's the hell it. <laughs> so, like, duck boobs won't put you off, but Leia Thompson will. <laughs> I, I, I'm secret brothering again with uh, another fan hole for the second time tonight because, uh, yeah, Blam Murdered You is one of the things I fucking loathe if we talk about Bendis' run later. Uh, well, we'll have shit. to talk about it later. I mean, that 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 line, like, just, that's the epitome of not understanding the characters you're writing or at least not reading what came before it. I mean, you know, Rocket Raccoon is a tactical genius like, the reason why Star-Lord put him on this team of Guardians of the Galaxy is because he needed somebody who had the know-how to form strategic battle plans. And blam, I murdered you, is, like, there's just so many things wrong with that that make me mad. It's not even funny. Like, one, I don't even want to get into the concept of murder as it applies to alien cultures in outer space, much less murder as it applies to the world today and what it technically means and what it actually means and what people think it means and the fact that it's used as some kind of jokey catchphrase that of course doesn't really work well i I think mike said it best and i'll let him pontificate it on it more but it was like bendis was like okay well you're kind of a funny character so you're going to be deadpool now and it's like no he's fucking not deadpool he uses guns he uses a lot of weaponry but that's because He's a small motherfucker who is really smart and knows what weapons to use to his advantage. Like you said, he's a strategic genius. That's his, like, fucking role in the, like, you know, team. He's not the kill-happy guy. In the Abnett Landing Run, he's never like, I'm going to enjoy killing some motherfuckers. He'll say, like, you know, shit like, you know, when he gets in trouble, he's like, I really don't want to do this. I have a good way to get out of it, but I'm not going to enjoy blowing up the fucking church of, you know, fucking cosmic truth and shit. Uh, universal truth is it, it, he does what he does because he has to to survive. And in the fucking business run, he's just like, I love killing. 
And it's just uh, really the nice. most the most badass thing I saw him do was in uh, what do you call it, in the Thanos imperative when like Thanos is going berserk and he like he kind of gets in that big mech suit and he's kind of like you know Thanos I know you you want death you're not afraid of death and stuff well like I've got this gun like set to like twenty percent power you know and it's gonna like paralyze you so I'm you know I'm not threatening you with death I'm threatening you with life so like you know stop hurting my friends right now. Like, I thought that was a friggin' awesome moment for him. I love, yeah, yeah. yeah I, love, body. I, I just want to say, I love the relationship between Cosmo, the the Russian telepathic, <laughs> who is the Odo, the security chief of nowhere where the Guardian's base is, and Rocket Raccoon, because it's like they clearly, they, they do not get along. They're always at odds just because it's their nature. He's a dog, and... and, and <laughs> You know, Rocket is, 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 you know, despite all his protestations, he has some of the traits of a raccoon, even though he's personified. So they do not get along with one another. But I love it. You know, we've already kind of gone into, you know, I guess, you know, five-year-old spoilers or whatever. But when they do the whole thing with Adam Warlock and the Magus, and there's the group of them that's believed to be dead, one of them is is Cosmo. But there's this great reunion scene. You know, there, there's so much bickering and... and and sort of nastiness between the two characters. And I love it when the teams finally reunite with everybody. It's just this kind of like, hey, dog, I'm glad you're not dead. And dog's like, yeah, it's, it's good to see you too, Raccoon. And it's just like, that's all you needed. And it's like such a great fucking moment, you know? I like uh, early on in that series when Rocket say, yeah. has like an aside where he's like, you know, goddamn like anthropomorphic animals. Like, it ain't right. Like, you know, it's, un- it's unnatural. Like, talk- talking dogs. Like, what is this? This is like, this is unnatural. Well, well, like, well, like the other thing that was like sad is when those characters do die, it's like there's that scene where they're like, oh man, they even fucking killed the dog. You know, like, and they're all sad about it, like, when him and Star-Lord are drinking, you know, so. Yeah, because, like, there's, like, some aside, I was about to mention that, where, like, uh, Raccoon's like, man, you know, what's up with the security on this station now? I mean, you think that damn dog had, oh, damn, the dog died too, shit, you know? Yeah. It's like, oh, you know. Uh, One thing we haven't really touched on is, like, how really, like, we've harped on Star Wars before, and I know we're going to go to Bendis at some point, but I, I want to keep talking about Admin Landing for a few more minutes. We always harp about like how poorly the political thing was handled in Star Wars, how it was really boring and drawn out. But like the Luminals and like the space station conflicts, I really fucking enjoyed that. That was really I, I, well done. I'd be willing to say that's a little more Deep Space Nine, Babylon 5 politics than the kind of boring politics in like the prequel trilogy. Oh yeah, but I'm, I'm saying that that shows you can do politics well done, though. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. I'm 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 trying to praise it, but I don't know if people would appreciate that analogy as praise. But yeah. but that's that's the best praise I can give it. Is I, I think it's more like the politics of Deep Space Nine than than you know this kind of oh uh, Misa Jaja calling motion <laughs> to the flaws, uh, you know. Like that, <laughs> yeah, because like the, the 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 constant thread throughout the whole series. That you 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 can't fucking ignore is the 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 precedent is they have to stop all these fissures from rubbing up in the universe and that's what's causing like all this crap to happen and it's like you know a horrible thing and I love the fact that Star Lord and this is where Star Lord becomes a main character 
he is the guy who, even though he's Han Solo and everything, he does turn into Han Solo by like Return of the Jedi, where he is selfless and he like does the shit that nobody wants to fucking do. And like, you know, to to not draw upon the Captain America or the, you know, Hawkeye like, you know, parallels, he's not the strongest guy on the team. You know, really he doesn't have really any fucking powers. And it's really cool that he is at the same time that person who is the only person who keeps the fucking team together even when the team breaks apart. And I really appreciate that, especially like during the political things where he's like having to try to figure out if Drax is a scroll or not, which he isn't. And I just I the the characters are just so good and Star Lord I never even cared about this guy before I read Advent Landing's run. And reading this I'm like, fuck, he's like top tier to me now. He's like, you know, maybe not like Captain America or Iron Man, but he is really fucking up there now because he was written so well. You know what you know what I find very interesting is and I'm I'm gonna go back to the original Guardians for two seconds, is that Star Lord and Vance Astro both started in a very similar spot. They both were created around like the late sixties, early seventies, and they were both astronauts, and they both had a chip on their shoulder, kinda like Chuck Heston in Planet of the Apes, where, you know, he's kinda like, Man, Earth is lame and you guys all you do is go to war and everything sucks and people are dying of diseases and this is all bullshit. I'm going to go out into outer space and get away from you all. And, 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 you know, I'm generalizing, but in a broad sense, like that's kind of what Vance, Astro and Star-Lord were about. And I think the original plan was Star-Lord was going to be like Flash Gordon if he was an asshole. But eventually (laughs) by the end of the run, it's like he would sort of, kind of like what you're saying, he's, he's Han Solo at the end of Return of the Jedi where he's selfless and all that kind of stuff. And so all these people around the universe would be, you know, drawn to him as a, as a charismatic person that he is. So I, I, I just find that, uh, you know, a very interesting kind of beginnings for, for both kind of disparate versions of Guardians of the Galaxy that, that they, they kind of have similar origins in that sense. I was going to say, like, I will say out of the original Guardians, like, yeah, Vance Astro is probably my favorite guy, because I, I like Vance, like, Astrovic in general, and, like, I, I think it's, like, almost, like, telling that, like, Abnett and Lanning, like, brought him, to, like, to be a member of this new team, too, because, like, it seems like a lot of people like him. Yeah, he actually, he actually, I, I like the fact that he, he played a big role, but he wasn't the focus, but at the same time... I don't know, that sounds kind of weird. I guess it's like, you know, the old fanboy in me. But bringing Vance Astro in and having him interact and be a part of the storyline in this new series, it kind of legitimized the new Guardians of the Galaxy. For yeah, me. well, but see, that's the way. They didn't they didn't shit on anything old, and, and they actually gave lots of props to it, and, and they sort of passed the torch. You know, it's like, it's basically, the, the DNA series is like Star Trek Generations done well on, like, the most expensive budget you could possibly have, you know? And and what's great about it is, and, and this is something I wanted to touch on, too, was Tony mentioned that the main crux of why the Guardians get together is to repair all these rips in space. And they're rips in time and space, these fissures. And, of course, there's dozens of them all over the place, Bendis, and nothing fucking was broken, you asshole. It was fine. <laughs> 
And they fixed it all on a daily basis. Like, so to me, the stakes in the Abnett and Lanning series were about 10 billion times higher than they were in fucking Age of Ultron, which, of course, spills over into the current series. And I, I, just, I just found that, like, so kind of mind-splitting, where you're like, hey, you know, you've got this great book where it explores the nature of time travel, and they meet so many variations of the Guardians. I mean, what's great about that is, if you're a fanboy of the original Guardians, and you're not like me, I, I consider those all one entity. But to a lot of people, it is like the Legion of Superheroes, where there's the Guardians that were written by Gerber, and then any of that Valentino crap, that's no good. That's newfangled crap. You know, and then there's people like maybe me and Tony who grew up on the Valentino stuff. And then maybe when Kevin Gallagher gets onto it, they're like, well, that Valentino stuff was pretty sweet. But that Kevin Gallagher crap, what's up with that Irish Warhound character? Like, that's crap. Like, no good. And then, you know, then you've got the people who love all that stuff. But maybe they don't like, you know, I don't know, whatever was in Avengers Forever. Or, you know, basically, the point is, there's so many versions of Guardians of the Galaxy in all those disparate time streams. The ones with Killraven, the ones they made up, like, all that kind of stuff. It's like, they're all valid. They're all fine. And that's how time travel originally worked in the Marvel Universe. There were alternate universes every time somebody time-traveled, and it didn't break the fucking time stream. So, anyway, that's just my little piece on it, where can, I, 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 I like that. So. Can we go on to Bash Bendis? Because, like, that's the, where the, all the bulk of the notes I wrote down are. All right, so, yeah, you, you <laughs> probably... I, I think, if, if I recall correctly, like, I've read like, all nine issues of Guardians of the Galaxy, but I couldn't even tell you what the hell it was about. Like, that's how... Um, fleeting and kind of I, I, disposable. Dismissive. Yeah. You know, those issues were to me. So go ahead with your notes, uh, go through them in copious detail, and tell everybody why they probably, if you love the original Guardians of the Galaxy or the, the Abnett and Lanning run, why you probably wouldn't be too fond of this new series. I was going to say this real quick before he does that because it's still about Abnett and Lanning, and I want to get this out before we go on to Bendis and his horrible, horrible run. One of the best things I liked about the series is at the like near the end of the uh, Starhawk thing where they where Starhawk comes back. Starhawk's not a dick. He's actually trying to do the right thing. So good on you, fucking Abnett and Lanning. Good job. Uh, Brian, Justin, do you have anything else to say about Abnett and Lanning's run? It was really, really good. Yeah, I miss it even still to this day. True. I miss Cosmo. Darkovarish. <laughs> <laughs> I love you. <laughs> Let's see. Yeah. Even though I, I just want to say that's a big praise for me because he is a Russian dog. And I, <laughs> <laughs> so. uh, what do you have against Russians, comrade? <laughs> He's a pinko dog. <laughs> I like to see him team up with uh, Winter Soldiers. That would be awesome. In Coloss- <laughs> <and> Colossus. <laughs> Winter Soldier, Colossus, <laughs> and Cosmo. Cosmo. That's a epic series. <laughs> and, then they, and then they cross over and meet Rocket Red. Yeah. <laughs> Bottom of the list? I don't know what to tell you, kid. <sighs> Never mind. Okay, now, technically, I guess, like, since I only, like, I'm probably, like, the last one of all of you to have read, like, the Abnett and Lanning series. So, it's like, technically, like, I don't know, like, how, like, 
uh, entitled I am to be offended, like at this like Bendis run, but we'll, like, we'll I'm be, gonna... we'll, we will entitle you. Okay, thank you. I need you. I need you guys to validate me first. Yeah, I'm going to validate you before you say anything. Because okay, awesome. That's that's how how strongly I feel. But even like even beyond like Abnett and Lanning's run, like this 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 series, like it has like all my like least favorite like Bendisisms and stuff too. Like the demonstrations of that, like you know, his typical just like lip service to continuity where it's like, you know, the the thing I hated the most was uh like it opens up with like sort of an origin story for Star Lord and then you meet his dad and like his dad's uh like was this like uh, let me ask you first, Derek, is this like a retconning of Star Lord's origin or is it like like sort of a retelling of it or what what exactly I'm trying to, I'm, trying, I'm actually kind of confused. Like I'm going to have to sit down and, like, do some research and figure that out and read things, like, in sequence, like, at the same time or something. Because, like, I'm sort of confused because sometimes they acknowledge, like, Star-Lord's dad as Star-Lord. And so that kind of confuses me. So I'm like, wait, but Peter Quill's Peter Quill. But, like, sometimes they acknowledge, like, Peter Quill's first appearance as being in Thanos. And I'm just kind of like, well, that doesn't make any sense, because uh, unless they're trying to say they're two separate guys or whatever, I don't know. Like, I'm not, I'm not a hundred percent on Star Lord. I mean, as far as like the old well, school stuff goes, it, I don't. Know. Well, in in any case, as far as this Bendis run goes, like Peter Quill's dad, uh, what's his Jay son of uh, Spartoy? Is right, that right. like his planet? Yeah. Well, like apparently he's like some big wig in the galactic community, like that we've never heard of before or whatever, and like. Uh, I don't know, like, he, he's a, he's what I like to call a big durr guy, because, like, uh, mixing in, like I said, like, Bendis' like, typical, like, lip service to continuity, he's kind of like, when he, he goes and talks with Star-Lord, like, with his son, and he's kind of like, oh, you know, I heard you did some weird thing with something called, like, the Cancerverse, like, I don't know what happened there, like, durr, and, like, I'm kind of like, wait a minute, how could you not know what happened with the Cancerverse? I mean, it only involved Galactus, like, all the Celestials, and, like, the Shi'ar, the Kree, like, like, it was a big galactic thing, and it was just some, like, small thing you just barely heard of, like, usually, like, oh, I, well, I don't, where have you been, son? You know, like, are you, are you even called me or anything? <laughs> and, or you just, been, just like, it's like, not, not a big deal, it's like, oh, I heard you made a cake last night. <laughs> He's like, I heard this this little, like, thing where, like, this other universe was, like, trying to eat ours. I mean, it was probably just a small little thing that I didn't hear about. No, Uh, it's it's crazy because (laughs) you're like, dude, uh, yeah, I was off fighting the Annihilation Wave, and I was off fighting the Phalanx, and I was off, you know, like, fighting fucking Thanos. Like, come on. Yeah, and I I was like, you know, you didn't notice, like, this, this hostile like, dimension encroaching on our own when in Gal- that was, like, so important that, like, Galactus well, you know, and the Celestials had to it's, attack? It's just, like, it's, the, the, the ultimate insult is that Peter Quill, or, or uh, you know, is, is been in all these adventures, but because Bendis didn't fucking read them or care about them enough because he was busy off doing his fucking scrolly bullshit, <laughs> that you know, like he, he he basically puts his own words into the mouth of his father, which is, well, what's up with that cancerverse thing that we didn't pay attention to when you 
pitched it, Abnett and Lanning, you know, like three like, years I mean, ago even, or like, whatever. And like, it, it, it just comes off like, well, son, I know you've sent me a lot of emails over the past year, but I just haven't had fucking time to read them. Yeah. And, well, like, it, it's funny, because, like, he, he, like, Bendis wants to have his cake and eat it, too. Like, he wants, like, Star-Lord's dad to be this big muckety-muck. But since he didn't read those stories, like, he's got to play, like, like this guy like an idiot, like, pretty much. And, like, it, it's even, like, you know, Star-Lord died at the end of the Thanos imperative. And we I don't think we still know how he came back or how Thanos came back, either. Or and it's Drax. just kind of... Yeah, or or Drax, yeah, even, and it's it's just kind of like you know his father's like, duh, I heard you died. Like, what happened? What's the deal with that? And like Star Lord's <laughs> like, well, I got better, motherfucker. You know, like your mom would say hi, but she's dead. Whatever, der. <laughs> I don't know, but yeah, that that was like the first straw. And then like throughout the series, I kind of like Star Lord. I guess for lack of better word, it seems like he kind of got like brand new Dave, like almost like. Like, he struck me as, in Abnett and Lanning's run, he struck me as, like you said, Derek, like a Han Solo type, like, sort of, like, you know, um, roguish, but, like, also very, like, competent and, like, you know, like, pretty, like serious, like, headstrong, but, like, serious. But, I don't know, Bendis, like, kind of plays him like a, like, playboy and, like, a goofball. And, like, it, like the, the worst line is, like, Tony Stark, like, says to him, like, wow, man, you're, like, three Spider-Mans rolled into one. Like, I was like, what? And it was like, oh, that crazy Star-Lord, he's such a joker, you know. I don't know, like, I was kind of like, what? I didn't get that impression at all. Like, what? Well, 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 to be fair, though, they were talking to Angela, which is pretty much a joke anyway. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Tony, you have to say it like Tony Danza. Yes, it has to be Angela. <laughs> they were like, Angela. Angela. <laughs> come on, Bona. Come on, Angela. <laughs> okay. And uh, next next point of contention. And, like, so, like, big muckety muck, der, Star Lord's dad, Jason, or whatever his name is. <laughs> I don't know. I fucking hate that stupid hyphen in his name or whatever. But, uh, like, he goes and, like, sits in with, like, some kind of galactic council. And it's, like, Gladiator and, like... Isn't that uh, the one that fucking Frigga was on? Yeah! Why is fucking Frigga on the galactic council? No, no, I I was actually going to bring this up. You know what the council is? The council is... And you guys didn't pay attention. They were all there. It was Gladiator. It was the leader of the Badoon. It was Frigga, the Easter Bunny, Jesus, and Chuck Norris. <laughs> it might as well have been, because I was like, yeah, I was like, what? Like, since when? Like, because like, Frigga's like, you know, Asgard, like, borders Earth's dimension, so we have a say in things. And, and I'm like, since when? Like, in Galactic Affairs? Since when has Asgard ever had a say in Galactic Affairs? Well, but see, what, what's crazy about it is, if you're going to include Asgard, right, then why are you not including, like, Mephisto or, like, some kind Zeus. of... Or, or Zeus. Zeus, yeah. Or, like, any of these other crazy deities that exist in the Marvel Universe. I mean, yeah, it's just... like, Beyonder and shit, yeah. You know? But, whatever. I don't know. And then, like, you've got stupid stuff like Gladiator saying, like, you know... Uh, st- stupid Gladiator, like, saying stuff that's totally, like, counter... Like, even he... Gladiator is kind of, like... Like, he doesn't mention anything, like, when... 
Jason. I, I feel so stupid saying that name, but like, he <laughs> I feel like I feel like you're one of the aliens from The Simpsons. Every time you say that, Jason, <laughs> Jason, <laughs> I am Clinton. As overlord, all will kneel trembling before me and obey my brutal commands. End communication. The humans. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, here's an even better point. Why the fuck is the Badoon there? In the goddamn Annette and Lanning one, they established in this timeline, at this point in our fucking galaxy, the Badoon are shit. They're, like, starting to get their, like, you know, handhold on, like, making stuff, but they're not the badasses they will be, like, you know, hundreds of years in the future. So why are they like, oh, throw the fucking Badoon in there. The Guardians of the Galaxy referenced them or some shit. Let's let's throw them in there. Well, it's kind of like like jumping the gun on something. It's like yeah. having having like, you know, a Spider-Man movie and then all of a sudden it's like Green Goblin, Green Goblin, Green Goblin, you know, yeah. and you're just like, "Wait, why don't you build up these guys if you want to introduce them?" No, 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 Green Goblin, you know. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, would, I I think yeah. Why would the Shi'ar give one shit about the Badoon? But anyway, go ahead. Sorry. I know. Well, like, I, I, like even Gladiator was kind of like, you know, oh, the Earthlings, like they're they're like they're trouble, and like we can't trust the Earthlings, and you know, and uh, yeah, and even Gladiator doesn't like bat an eye when like the guy says like you know something called the Cancerverse, and I was like, Gladiator was there, like you know, like he knows what went down and stuff, and then like then you have like the su- the supreme intelligence like of the Kree is there. And, like, I never know what his status is, because sometimes he's, like, the leader of the Kree, and sometimes they've overthrown him, and then next time you see him, they're back with the Supreme Intelligence, and, like, I don't know, no one, there's no consistency. Yeah, no, no, yeah, nobody ever bothers to keep but tabs on anyway, that. Anyway, the, the Supreme Intelligence is like, oh, you're giving Earthlings too much credit, you know, like, let's, you know, we don't need to worry about the Earthlings, and I was like, wasn't the Supreme Intelligence the one that's, like, is always, like, you know, the Earthlings are the biggest threat to the entire galaxy? <laughs> Well, like, what ways in the Supreme Intelligence the ones that's like, give me that Rick Jones kid. Like, yeah, exactly. He, he fucking like, murdered us all. Exactly. Like, oh, the like, Supreme like, Intelligence yeah. is, like, the last one to underestimate, like, Earth. Yeah. Or, well, like, didn't but that, that's a didn't one of, of our, people. like, soldiers turn into Captain Marvel and get the quantum bands? That's a big deal. <laughs> That's a symptom of typical, like, bad Bendis writing, where he writes a bunch of lines he thinks sounds cool, then somebody draws a bunch of pictures of a council, and then he just cuts and pastes the fucking lines in the order that they fucking are drawn in or something. And there's no thought or, or decision given to, like, character or why they're saying it. That's that's literally what it feels like to me. I mean, oh, yeah. it's literally like, like, Bendis writes stuff like he's having a conversation with himself. And then he just goes to town. So it'd be like, if I'm writing a scene between all five fan holes, I'd be like, hey, what's up? I'm Derek. I'm the latest fan hole. Yeah, I'm Justin. I think that Vance Astro is dreamy. Yeah, I'm Brian. I think the Guardians of the Galaxy from the 90s is the greatest comic ever. Hey, I'm Tony Jackson. Right on, Brian. I totally echo that. And I'm Mike. And I totally think that, uh, you know, Yondu is the shiznit. And I'm and and it's like obviously none of you guys think any of that stuff. And if if I wrote a scene like that, it'd be completely inaccurate, and everyone would be like, "Why? Why is Brian's never even read the original Guardians of the Galaxy, and he's already been calling it like kind of super lame this whole podcast? So why would he say that now? You know, it's because I'm having a conversation with myself." Oh, and, and real quick before Michael gets back onto it, um, yeah, you know how I knew this was a business comic. 
Because, yeah, in the Advent Landing thing, I had some nice pages I could read. Yeah, fucking splash pages all over again, just like goddamn Age of Ultron. Jesus Christ. Yeah, a lot of splash splash pages. Yeah. Like, not to interrupt Mike's train of thought, but like, as usual, he's not even consistent within himself. Like, Ben just did that Avengers Assemble arc where the Guardians showed up, and that's the first time you actually see them since Thanos Imperative. Um, and Bug is with them. And then when they get their ongoing series, it's like, where's Bug? Nobody mentions him. Nobody is even like, where did Bug go? He's just like, he's already been like that quick. He's been forgotten about. I'm just like, well, that doesn't even make sense. And then Justin, like, they, I heart you for saying, for mentioning Bug because he is one of my favorite guardians. <laughs> I, I, like I like Bug. I like Bug. And then <laughs> back back to the blam murdered you really quick. Like before Ben just started this ongoing series, he gave an interview. Um, and he's like, you know, I, I know people are going to be saying like, oh, Groot would never say this. Rocket Raccoon would never say that. I feel like he did Blam Murdered You on purpose just to, like, irritate us. Yeah. Well, on top of that, you're like, how can you To be honest, because, like, first you'd have to think that he knew what Rocket Raccoon wouldn't say. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I honestly don't think he does. <laughs> I, 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 actually I know how, the character, I yeah. how if, if the interview actually says that's not what Groot would say uh, Groot has three things to say and there are only three things I mean if you fuck up what Groot has to say then you're a fucking piss poor writer <laughs> there's only one difference between Groot's lines a question mark and a period <laughs> yeah I know uh, he just says it in varying tones I am Groot I am Groot I am Groot is Groot. Well, I, I was going to say, like like Tony mentioned earlier, like I pretty much think that Bendis like looked at Rocket Raccoon and said, like, oh, he's a wacky guy. Like, he's the guy that everyone's going to latch on to and make into a meme and stuff. And, you know, I'm going to make him like the Deadpool of this team or whatever. And he's going to say all the wacky stuff. And that'll be the end of it, basically. And, like, it, it's true. It's like he's not he's like that way. I don't have to actually characterize him. He's just he's the wacky guy, you know. Well, I mean, has he done anything strategic in those nine issues? No, he shot shit. As far as I, as far as I've read, can we? Can we? I, I know you've got your list. Can we? Can we talk about why the fuck Iron Man is? In that? <laughs> I was going to bring up. I was like, why the fuck is Stark here anyway? By the way, <laughs> sales, sales, Larry, sales. Oh. Yeah, I, I appreciate that, but I'm just. I... Derek, did you know you could follow the continuing adventures of Iron Man and Guardians of the Galaxy? <laughs> no, I didn't. Let me go pick that book up then. Let me go right now to the store and grab it because Iron Man's in it. You know what? I, I just want to say, like, okay, check this out. Like, Adam Warlock, right? We're all fans of Adam Warlock. Like, when I was a little kid, I kind of thought, like, Gamora and Adam Warlock, they're kind of like boyfriend and girlfriend. I don't know if they actually shagged on Paige or anything, but, like, that that's kind of how I took it. I kind of thought it was, like, an unsaid thing, like, they were kind of together. When Adam Warlock appeared in the DNA run, I was kind of like, well, he's a little different. He's not being written the same, but her and uh, Gamora and him, they have a little exchange, and she says, you know, you're not the same man you were, but they talk about how they all used to bone each other and stuff, and she used to bone Nova and all this other stuff, and I'm kind of like, well, that's a little weird, but he's not the same man he was, and she's kind of got a thing with Richard Ryder now. I'm going to let all that slide, because the way it was written, it was handled so well, it made a lot of sense. It was fucking Bendis? innuendo. It wasn't fucking put right there on front of your fucking face. That's what pissed well, me off. Well, it doesn't even matter to me. Bendis, Iron Man's on the ship for, like, what, like, two issues? And then he bangs Gamora. I'm kind of like, wait a minute. Like, 
Richard Ryder, like, he's a pretty noble, cool guy. He's not very swarmy. Like, you know, Adam Warlock, he's almost priestly. You know, he, 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 I, I just don't know how Gamora keeps getting worse and worse lays as, as the comic evolves. Like, well, all, I mean, she, like, she would hit on, like, uh, uh, Vance in, like, the, uh, Advent Lane, but she just hit on him. That's all she did. She, yeah, and yeah. I like that. I like the idea of her being flirtatious, but not just like, well, time to pull off the panties. I'll fuck this guy. He just came on board. I don't know. I just, I just thought it was kind of. It, it, it was too abrupt, and also like Tony Stark really did nothing to get into her fucking pants. He was yeah, just like, like well, "I'm charming." Hi. It's like they they act like he's a stupid human the whole time. So it's like, what? Never banged one of those before, uh, Richard Ryder. Um, cough, cough, wink, wink. Like, what, I don't get what the attraction is. Like, the, the, the only the only plus from the nine issues I've read. I don't know how many issues are out now. Is at least on a slightly bright note, Bendis, fuck you, I'm giving you a little bit of praise. At least Gamora seems a little bit like, yeah, it was whatever, you weren't that great, so at least there's that to it. Then why do it? I mean... <laughs> well, no, no, I agree, I agree, but I mean... Yeah, least... No, but I'm just, I, I just, see, that just, it just doesn't make, it, it's like, the only reason why they did it is because Tony Stark's a playboy, it's servicing him as a male character, and despite all these crazy people talking about feminism and Starfire showing her boobs or something like it's a bad thing, like, this to me is more detrimental to a character than, you know, it's like a female character serving the plot of a male character without it taking her own character in con- into consideration, right? So, I don't know. I just, I don't know. It's fucking be, dumb, be, be. and it's, it's dumb. I, I, I know you're not have... listening, but it's dumb. <laughs> It's fucking dumb. Okay, Mike, I know you have this in your notes, and if we skip ahead, we'll go back to your previous notes, but I know you're going to mention her, and I know all fucking five of us are going to want to fucking go into this at some point, at least to hate on it. What the fuck, Angela? Angela. Angela. I think Angela's awesome. She's an alien who's an angel who's a redhead. She used to be on Spawn, but she doesn't remember she used to be in Spawn. <laughs> she's, she's from Heaven. She's from Heaven. Even She's even. from H-Ven, Tony. H-Ven. H-Ven. <laughs> no, okay, okay. I'll, I will go in this real quick. The, the, the one thing I really hate about this is because they first show her at the end of, like, the fucking uh, Ultron thing. <clears throat> and she's, like, got this fucking head with her. And she's like, I will have vengeance and I will be bleh. I'll be, like, a fucking nightmare to your fucking system and shit. And then she shows up in Guardians of the Galaxy. And she's got her fucking head with her. At least they explain that later on. Uh, she's an angel from who, and like, (laughs) 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 yeah, I was about to ask you to say that again. (laughs) (laughs) You go to heaven. Fucking, uh, we can make words just sound like anything. Can, can, can we just, uh, what I would really like, Bendis, Bendis, if you are listening to this, which you're not, what I'd like to see is for Angela to meet Nightwatch, and you have to resurrect Nightwatch, but since you don't read any books or continuity that you haven't written yourself, don't worry about how to resurrect them. Just have them appear in the issue and let some other poor asshole write the little annual fill-in one-shot that explains why he's not dead anymore. But you heard it here first. Angela meets Nightwatch. <laughs> 2014, sometime <laughs> this year. Please the do year. it. But, but, <laughs> what I was going to say was, 
Um, but, but yeah, she comes in and, and Gamora wants to like, like, well, she's wanting to fight, but Rocket Raccoon is actually like, go fight her. Cause that's strategically sound. And she goes on the moon, they fight and stuff. And it's the most fucking long drawn out. Like, here's how badass she is. We have to establish Angela as a fucking Gamora's the most dangerous woman in the galaxy, but she can't beat Angela. Who beats her? Like fucking Star Lord comes out of nowhere at the end, which I guess is at least a nice nod that he actually, you know, can do shit. And but the thing that really fucking just just slaps me right in the fucking nuts is it was all to build up Angela as this fucking badass. And the last issue that I've read out of the nine issues is her coming to save the fucking day because Star-Lord gives her, like, a fucking, you know, Dick Tracy watch, and she's like, oh, I'm here because I wanted to find you and some stuff, Thanos, and I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. And it's just a fucking muddled mess. It makes no sense. They threw a character from another universe, from another comic fucking company, into this really nice universe that made sense. And it makes my mind, like, lock up into a stroke fashion. I'm surprised I'm still able to talk. It's just... Yeah, she has a weird... Like, she doesn't... Like, her design aesthetic does not really fit, it seems like. You know, not even in, like, in the book itself, but the Marvel Universe, like, itself, it seems like. Well, well, it's okay, though. They vaguely remember her. They vaguely remember her. Oh, man. Anyway, because Star Lord's dad was like, I think I remember you from somewhere. I don't remember the cancer verse, but I think I remember that one book you were in by Neil Gaiman, because I'm Bendis, and even though I've never read like Marvel comics that I should have to be writing the Guardians of the Galaxy, I totally read like a Neil Gaiman issue of Spawn at some point, so I remember you. What do you guys think, Justin, Brian? Was Angela just like a, a total WTF moment, and what the hell? Haven't read it. Justin, have you read it yet? Yeah, I I don't really have that big of a problem with it, to be honest. I mean, yeah, Age of Ultron shit the bed, but I think it's interesting to take a character from another company and try to introduce her. I'm not saying it's being handled as best as it can be, but like, I'm still interested to see, like, where it's gonna go? Like, what, what are they gonna do with this character? Like, she—I mean, it's like you said, she's been she's been in what five or six issues of Guardians so far, probably, and she hasn't really did much. Like, she fought Gamora, and she's just been very vague about her origins. Like, like yeah, she kind of—it seems like the person she has the best relationship at this point is is Peter Quill. But then you start to wonder: is that because they're trying to make him this ladies' man, or is it because? Yeah. They actually have like a a relationship that matters, kind of like he and Mantis did in the Abnett and Lanning run. Yeah, yeah. that's another thing I hate. Uh, as far as my little small rant, <clears throat> I hate how they like really love to fucking kill Groot. It seems like every three issues. I mean, I know he comes back. I mean, I know he's like just you know a fucking wood you know alien. And you plant him in a fucking soil and he comes back. But they always like doing the whole like Groot will take care of this. Oh my God, Groot got fucking destroyed. Grab his fucking bark. Get get that splinter. Yeah. Speaking of Mantis, and moving on to my next point, like she Mantis shows up in one issue, and you know she's she's got the typical like generic Bendis dialogue, and there's nothing really to tell you it's her except that she's like drawn like Mantis, sort of. 
And, uh, you know, yeah. it's kind of like, hi, Peter, how you doing? It's me, Mantis. Remember me from the from the Good Guardian series? You know, this, <laughs> this will surely, like, reassure people that Bendis knows what he's doing, you know? Remember when I was written well? <laughs> Oh, this man. one was written well four years ago. I don't know. Well, I was going to say, like, speaking of people who weren't, like, written, like, very correctly or not goodly, goodly, speaking of... <laughs> <laughs> Michael was not being written goodly for this <laughs> series. It's okay. Ben has read that line for you. You're fine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, um, even, even friggin' Drax, like, sounds terrible. Like, Drax has that stupid generic Bendis dialogue pattern that he gives to friggin' Thor and Ares because he doesn't understand how to write them either. Where Drax is like, <laughs> Drax is like, oh, hello, like, what do you call, after you, Lady Gamora. Like, when has Drax ever talked like that? Like, or I shall partake of this battle. Like, what? Well, yeah, it's like, it's like what Brian was talking about with the 90s Drax. They, they kind of retarded him a little bit. It was like, in the it's not even one, it's, yeah. it's not even that it's like his he his speech pattern is that of like some generic like old timey like ancient warrior and like Bendis has given this speech pattern to both Thor and Ares in the in the like past and like Drax even says like like he responds in the affirmative as I Drax does not talk like that <laughs> it's like I watched the Lord of the Rings trilogy <laughs> last night and that's how I'm going to talk from now on. Drax do, do, do you have any more notes? I, I'm, I'm curious. Oh, I was just going to mention the one last thing I was going to mention was the art. Like, I like, uh, what's her name? Sarah Pacelli's art, but I don't know, like, I don't know if she's, like, kind of right for this series. Like, I don't know, like, Gamora looks a little too, like, I don't know, she kind of, like, like, softens everyone's angles and, like, everyone looks kind of, I don't know, manga-y maybe, or like... like See, I feel like I feel like everybody looks kind of wafy, like, not just her, yeah, but like... like sh- I, I, I don't know that I have a major problem with the art, like you're saying, but I, I guess that's the only term yeah. I would use. And, but, and the only other thing is, like, it doesn't seem like, like, no one can draw Rocket Raccoon right. Like, he looks like a cat. Yeah, like, what's with those fucking legs? Yeah, and he's got those weird, like, like yeah, digigrade legs or whatever. Like, I don't know... I'm not an expert on raccoons at all, but I don't... I At least, if they do have legs like that, I don't think they're that pronounced that they look like goat legs or whatever, but... Yeah. Well, oh, Mikey said this before the we started the show. And also, fucking Star-Lord's new costume, his new fucking outfit, balls. Sucks. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That that Abnett and Lanning Star Lord costume, like that's an, that's a, like I love that mask, like that that's a great like helmet slash mask. It took a while to grow on me, but yeah, I ended up really liking it too towards the end. I don't know his new one, like I don't know, he just has like this weird hat on, <laughs> like it's kind of weird. Yeah, he he looks like a, a very generic armor wearer now, and it's just like, ugh. but like like I said, the Abnett Lanning one is like. If I was a random alien thug who didn't have, like, you know, any superpowers, if I saw that guy walking down the fucking alley of some, whatever, Mars, like, you know, brothel or some shit, I'd be like, I'm going to fucking die. And if this guy walked down, I'd be like, oh, Mega Man villain? (laughs) (laughs) I have one final note, and I think we... We might have mentioned this before, I don't know, but... Or just in jokingly and stuff. And uh, it's... uh, what do you call the part where Iron Man takes a shot at Captain Britain 
where. Oh yeah. Oh, what the fuck was up with that? I read yeah, that. That fucking like, pissed me people, off. I know, like I know that pissed a whole load of readers off that like actually like Captain Britain, and like of course Bendis like does the like backpedaling thing where he's like, "Well, it's not me mocking Captain Britain. It's Iron Man." And I'm like, "Like, yeah, okay, whatever." But I mean, I, I'm not like the biggest Captain Britain fan in the world, but like still, like you. Yeah, I don't. It's just so weird, like, that, it just seems like, I don't know, like, okay, say I wrote a comic book, and I had Iron Man say something flippant about Jack of Hearts, well, like, Jack of Hearts never led, like, an X-Men team, and Jack of Hearts doesn't represent an entire fucking nation, like, I don't know, dude, like, something about that, it's just, that was not well thought out. I mean, he could at least go for, like, the, the jingoistic thing, like... Well, he's no Steve Rogers, and he'd be like, okay, you know what? He's fucking friends with Steve. He loves Captain America. They're buddies. I could take that, but he's like, Captain America's fucking, you know, fucking douchebag, suck, suck dick. I hate him. And I was like, I mean, that's how it came off, you know? It's yeah, like, yeah, that's basically, yeah, that's basically what it came off I can, as. I can see the viewpoint that, like, Captain Britain isn't, like, as important in the Marvel Universe as he maybe, like, should be. Because, like, they sort of touched on that in Rick Remender's, like, run on Secret Avengers, where, like, I think, like, Beast has one of his, like, verbal judgment, like, scenes where he, like, tells, like, Brian Braddock, like, you know, you know, you could be a bigger deal than you are if you weren't such, like, a stubborn, like, you know, like, asshole sometimes, but... Like, that was actually, like, handled a lot better than just, like, Iron Man saying, like, oh, yeah, Britain has a superhero, Captain Britain, he's not too good, though, <laughs> you know. Well, 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 that, that's, 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 that's like a more personal critique, though. It's like, I know you, and this is why I don't like you. Iron Man just like, Captain Britain, what the fuck? He's, like, got a flag. Uh. Star-Lord's Star dad came down. He was like, oh, yeah, that Captain Britain is really dumb. Beaton. Beaton. I must have with you. <laughs> For, for the record, everybody who's listening to Fan Holes right now should read Excalibur and see how fucking useless Captain Britain really is, because he's pretty damn awesome in that. Well, even, even like, Alan Moore wrote Captain Britain. Like, there's a lot of great UK comics with Captain Britain. And and I, I just think of Captain Britain as, like, if if even if you're a fan of somebody like Power Rangers or, or things like that, it's like, Captain Britain is the leader guy. He's the Red Ranger. He's Cyclops. He's... Superman, he's Captain America, you know, he's Leonardo, I mean, he, you know, I'm not saying he shares all those same qualities, but I mean, that's basically what, it, that's tantamount to a slapdown of any character that's like that, so to me, yeah. being a fan of any other character like that, I'm not saying I'm the world's number one Captain Britain fan, but I'm like, that's, that's a, that was just in poor taste. It's not that he's, it's not so much like, oh, how dare you like, deride the best of the best of the best. It's more like, okay, he's not a fucking scrub. I mean, can you imagine... Can you? Uh, I don't even want to get into this. Can you imagine the outcry you would hear about if, if it was a different character other than Captain Britain? Can you imagine... What, what if you said that about Daredevil? People like Daredevil, but Daredevil is not nearly as powerful as Captain Britain. But people would yeah. like, you fucked with Daredevil? You asshole. I'm, I'm not going to say the name of any character, but just... 
think in your head of any other character other than Captain Putin, <laughs> who comes from a different nation. It might even be a made-up nation. He may have even broken the Silver Surfer's arm at one point. I'm not going to name any names, but imagine if somebody had said something negative about that character and and the outcry that would have followed about how how awful it would have been. So, so it's basically Tony Stark hates white people. <laughs> 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 uh, anyway, I, I, I just want to, can we, like, I, we're done with, with Bendis and the current series, right? I, I've said what I've needed to okay, say. Okay, yes. okay. I just, I just wanted to, I, I'm hoping people are laughing at some of the quibs and jokes and everything, but to, to keep it a little upbeat on the way out before we go into awesome thing, I just thought, could we talk about maybe the Marvel Legends of the Guardians of the Galaxy that have come out so far and maybe have some fun talking about, you know, characters we might want to see in a potential Marvel Legends Guardians of the Galaxy wave? Uh, Groot as a Build-A-Figure would be fucking awesome. That would be awesome. I know, like right now, I mean, as far as current figures that they have out, there is a a Drax Marvel Legend, you know, a comic-based one from the Abnett and Landing run. As we were talking about before, there's the Rocket Raccoon Build-A-Figure that came with, you know, I guess I guess it's the Rocket Raccoon Wave. But, um, yeah, I mean, I you know, that, that those, those are fun toys. I mean, I wish maybe the, the legs on the Rocket Raccoon moved a little better. You know, it's kind of like one static piece, but I understand it's tough with some of the smaller pieces like that. But uh, my understanding is the current AIM soldier that's out, the body for that is more than likely going to be used as a Star-Lord body for a Star-Lord figure in the Legends. Because he's got like the little pins, like kind of like the standard Guardian's uniform and everything, the little buttons on his vest and stuff. There, there's a lot so, of customs online. They're actually really well done. Yeah, so... I don't know. I hope, it, I hope it's the Abnett and Lanning Star Lord. Oh yeah, 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 with the helmet and everything. I think it is because they showed like images of that. So I mean, there may be some movie tie-in figures as well, maybe. But uh, you know, I, I don't. I guess we'll know more when uh, Toy Fair rolls around. But anybody else have anything positive to say about uh, Guardians of the Galaxy in general, or you know, about Legends or toys or anything like that? Could I, I, I would just like to ask, like, Brian, like, sort of, like, I mean, how, when, this is kind of, like, I, I, like, you like the Guardians, like, they're, they're sort of, like, one of your favorite teams and stuff, like, are you excited for, like, the movie? Because this is, like, I, it's kind of like if they said they were making a Thunderbolts movie for me, like, I'd be, like, super excited, like, are you, like, were you, like, kind of, like, wow, I can't believe this is happening? Like, yeah, like, I'm super excited, and, um, like... I don't know, it was a big moment for me when they released that, like, just small clip of, like, Rocket Raccoon, you know, with his guns, like, blazing, and, like, people made gifts of that really quick, and, like, had it on my Facebook page for a long time, and, yeah, I'm I'm pretty stoked and pretty, uh, pretty much looking forward to the movie, I hope it's really well done. Yeah, I really hope it's, like, successful, because, like, I, I, like, not only for it being successful for the sake of itself, but just so, like, you know, like, Marvel might be, in, like, boldened to, like, take more risks and do, like, more obscure characters, like, yeah, sort of. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or, or Mar- Marvel get, might get emboldened to fire fucking Bendis and hire Adam and Lenny back to do a fucking good comic. Oh, I'm sorry, <laughs> did I say that? 
The good thing is, like, I feel like with how well, like, the recent Star Trek movies have done and kind of how, like, well comic book movies have done lately, like, um, it's a really awesome time to have Guardians come out because it's kind of, a, like, a mix of both. And both are being, like, so well done now. Like, if they copy either or, you know, just go half and half on it, like, they're going to end up with a good movie. Like, I feel like it'd be kind of hard to screw it up at this point. I was going to say, but one thing I'm really happy about is from the stills we've seen, like, Brian's got an avatar of the uh, movie version of Rocket Raccoon. I really, really, really fucking appreciate you guys who are making this movie not shying away from comic accuracy. Thank you so much for making Gamora green and red. Thank you for giving Drax his fucking big beefy bill with Batista. Thank you for making Rocket Raccoon a fucking CGI guy. Thanks for making Groot a CGI guy. Thank you so fucking much instead of just taking the easy way out and just being like, I don't think audiences would like that. (laughs) Yeah, no, I'm I'm looking forward to the movie, not only in terms of the movie, but like I was talking about with any kind of media tie-ins. I mean, who knows? We might get a really awesome Guardians. I mean, I don't know. It's probably not likely, but we may get a really awesome Guardians of the Galaxy cartoon out of this whole thing, too. And we may get some really awesome cosmic Marvel Legends characters or video games or anything like that. Like, there's there's lots of cool things that, that could spring up out of this, you know, uh, in addition to having just a fun, awesome, you know, movie franchise pop up. Um, and, 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 and if the cosmic quick. stuff oh. does... Oh, I was just going to say, if the cosmic stuff does well, uh, one thing I was going to mention to Brian was in some of the original treatments, because I was talking to some of my, my screenwriter buddies, but by the time this airs, it won't be too big of a deal, because... The, the movie will be out or whatever, but in a lot of the original treatments, Nova was going to be one of the main characters. So, oh. yeah, no, 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 no. But but what I'm saying is 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 if Guardians does well, uh, there's references to Nova all over that movie still. So if Guardians does well, Nova could be one of those kind of lesser, you know, more obscure characters that gets kind of latched on to. I mean, who knows? It could be just like Iron Man was like six years ago. Nobody knew who the fuck Iron Man was. He was, you know, I mean, technically, like, I I know a lot of you guys, he's your favorite character and you like him, but, I mean, before the movie came out, like, he was probably like a B-list character at Marvel, you know? And and, and once the movie came out, man, he rocketed to, like, A++++ status. And he is top tier at Marvel now, as far as I'm concerned, and a lot of that has to do with the success of that movie. And, you know, the same thing could happen to Nova. Nova's not a household name right now, but man, they could come out with a Nova movie with Richard Ryder, and it could be fucking tits, and then everybody would know who the fuck Nova is, you know, so. Oh, I mean, Iron Man is a second in command of the Guardians of the Galaxy, so you never know. (laughs) (laughs) I was gonna say one last thing, you said, like, cartoons, like, out of the two animated appearances of the Guardians, um, neither of which have been really that good, but at the very least in the uh, Earth's Mightiest Heroes one, Star-Lord was voiced by Steve Downs, who is better known as the voice of the Master Chief in Halo, so I thought that was really cool. There are things out there in the universe you're better off not knowing about. <laughs> um, I was going to ask this before we uh, <clears throat> move on to awesome things. I know it has been speculated probably by the time this comes out, obviously be confirmed, but I know it's also been confirmed by various sources that Vin Diesel is going to be voicing Groot, which I have no problem with because he does have – I mean, uh, how awesome yeah. would it be for Groot to say, be like, I am Groot the Buster. Buster <laughs> is Groot. Uh, that's hilarious. God rest but, uh, your soul. 
<laughs> Cut her just <laughs> Cut her but no, um, actually, I was going to ask since uh, there was a clip apparently what Brian was talking about with uh, Rocket Raccoon. Uh, do we know who's doing the voice of Rocket Raccoon? Uh, Bradley Cooper. Oh, okay. Well, that's not bad. That's not bad. I know I know of his work, so that's that's not too bad. Well, at least he doesn't have a Cockney accent. <laughs> I know, right? Kid, kids yeah. today wouldn't get that see, anyway. See, but if you were Bendis, you'd be like, well, at least he doesn't have a Captain Britain accent. He's not very good. <laughs> at least he's not fucking British. I hate those fucking blimey bastards. <laughs> and send That's any angry emails, too. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Fanholspodcast at gmail.com. I think we're we're pretty much wrapped up on Guardians of the Galaxy talk for tonight. This has been a lot of fun. I've really enjoyed talking about Guardians of the Galaxy. I, I hope we were able to sort of span a lot of the different errors and, and that we, if you have not been interested or exposed to all these different errors of Guardians, that maybe we've inspired you to check some of those out. And so I guess we'll move on to our regularly scheduled segment, which is what is awesome in your world this week. So Tony, what is awesome in your world this week? Oh, I'm actually first. Wow. That's rare. Um, due to a certain fan holes podcaster, I think his name is Mike. I have decided to delve back into modeling, uh, Gundam models. <clears throat> Currently I have two, uh, getting ready to ship from Amazon and I'm I'm really kind of excited because I really enjoy modeling. I think it's a really calming, like I don't I, I, a Zen kind of hobby. Because when you're putting something together, you just kind of get into a zone and you really like concentrate on it. And I've been wanting to get back into it for a couple years, but I just kind of keep going back and forth if I want to or not. And I've ordered two Gundam models, uh, Death Scythe and Death Scythe Hell from uh, Amazon. I'm I'm kind of really looking forward to getting these kits in the mail and putting them together and you know showing my hopefully talent or lack of depending on how well I do. But uh that that's that's something that's like really kind of making me happy right now is to have a hobby that unlike Transformers and stuff takes up not only a lot of money but like a lot of time look, looking for stuff whereas I could buy one model and work on it for a couple of days and it's just you know it, 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 it's it's I don't know I guess an older man hobby I know uh Justin while you're not an older man I know you put together uh naval vessels and I know uh Mike does Gundam models so I'm I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to it I think it's going to be kind of a nice relaxing hobby that I can get into cool very cool I I, I saw some of the pictures that people were posting of different things. Like I liked how Mike's model, Gundam model eventually turned out and everything. So I wish you luck. And I look forward to seeing pictures from you when your model is, is either a work in progress or near completion. Thumbs up. Thank you. So Justin, my man, I'm staring at this angry looking rocket raccoon who is not saying blam, I murdered you on your avatar. So what is your awesome thing in the world this week? Um, I've been watching this uh, British show called The Thick of It, and I've been watching it basically because Peter Capaldi, who is now the Doctor in Doctor Who, is the main character, and it's it's a really great show. It's kind of like if you combined The Office with The West Wing because it's about British politics, and it's real zany and everything, and Peter Capaldi is like this uh, – how do I – he's like uh, – a bully, and he's constantly swearing at everyone, like trying to get 
trying to make them to do whatever he wants them to do, and he's always threatening them and swearing and insulting them. And that's like half the show right there. It was just like to see what kind of like interesting sweary kind of insult he's going to come up with. But it's it's been really great. Uh, you can watch it on Hulu, and like most British shows, it's like short compared to like what we have. Like the first series is just three episodes, and then I think each series after that has like maybe five or six episodes, and there's four series, I think. But I saw, but that's what I've been watching this week, and I really enjoyed watching it. Cool. That sounds cool. I was trying to think of something to watch other than the the what is it the fires of Pompoli like to revisit uh, uh, Peter Capaldi before I see him as the new doctor and then somebody also recommended that I should check out the Torchwood stuff because he's in that as well and I still haven't seen that because I just haven't so I also watched this old um, clip on YouTube where he was on Craig Ferguson I know I know Mike likes to watch that show and apparently like they were really good friends and like they did acid when they were in college and stuff <laughs> that was <laughs> Nice. Cool, cool, very cool. So what about you, Mike, since we, we brought up yours truly? Um, or, I don't know, that doesn't make any sense. No, You I can don't. edit that out. I don't know. <laughs> I was just trying to think of something. Since we, since, <laughs> since, Justin brought, since Justin brought you up, Mike, what is your awesome thing in the world this week? I got two things. Uh, one of them, uh, I, can, I guess I can one-up Tony here. Uh, I got... My robot uh, Damashi Death Scythe Hell in uh, today, and I don't have to assemble him. He's he's all in one piece, and uh, I don't have to put any work into him. So take that, Tony. Damn but, uh, you! <laughs> no, but it's, seriously, he's a great figure. Like you guys know, I love the, the robot Damashi line. You know, he's cool looking. I'll probably post pictures of him on the board tomorrow. And uh, what do you call? All, like I said, all the wing guys really get like really. Uh, they must have like the best engineer working on those because they're always really good and like sturdy and like it doesn't feel like he's gonna break or anything. So, um, and then the second thing is, um, I started watching Community and uh, like because people told me it would be a show that was like up my alley, so I've been watching like random episodes of it. And yeah, like I, I'm really enjoying it. Like I, I like Joel McHale and like uh, he's really funny on the show. And um, I just watched this this week's like new episode, which is I think like the second episode of this new season. And they just re- introduced a a, re- a new recurring reoccurring character in this season, I guess, who happens to be played by my favorite uh, actor and slash favorite character on Breaking Bad. So like, <laughs> I, I thought that was really awesome. And uh, like, it was just a great episode. It, it was really up my alley. Um. They 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 went some they took a class called Nicolas Cage Good or Bad and it was like a film <laughs> class about like Nicolas Cage and like what a conundrum he like represents in the film community like he was like how can someone be so bad yet so good like the, and, I don't know but it was hilarious because like they were doing all these like movie equations and stuff and it was like like I don't know it was like exactly the way like i kind of felt about things like they go um okay like like here's the equation it's like um robert downey jr good actor jim belushi bad actor uh jean-claude van damme so bad he's good actor and then johnny depp so good he's bad actor and it was like man i agree with like all of that so like uh 
it was like really up my alley. And then like one of the guys like gets like so into studying like Nicolas Cage movies, he starts like talking like Nicolas Cage, and he's like, "Oh my god!" Like, and he's just like spazzing out <laughs> and stuff. <laughs> it, it was just a really funny episode. So like, yeah, I, I hope I'm by the time this airs, I hope I'm still watching Community because uh, I, I think it's a pretty funny show. So sweet. That sounds cool. I know, uh, I, know about, the, the, I know the guy from uh, the Hangar movies is not nearly as annoying in Community. The uh, Asian no. guy. No, no, he's pr- he's pretty like played. <laughs> it's weird to say this, but he's played straighter in that show. So <laughs> you know what I mean. I'm like, oh my! <laughs> not that way. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> He's played as a more serious character. That's what I meant. I meant nothing of the offensive nature. So we are now on. Brian, what is your awesome thing in the world this week? Uh, mine might be a bit of a shoddy, but uh, I finished reading Dr. Sleep recently. This is Stephen King's acclaimed follow-up to The Shining. Um, I'd always liked The Shining movie. I'd never read the book, but um, by the time I, I you know, heard about a sequel to the book coming out, I was like, oh, I might as well read The Shining in book form, so I did that, really enjoyed the book, ended up liking the book more than the movie, which seems to happen to a lot of people a lot of times when they partake of both, but um, Dr. Sleep was actually a really good follow-up, kind of takes place, like it follows Danny, he's uh, mid-30s, maybe early 40s, I can't remember his exact age, but he's all grown up, and he still has The Shining, so he's kind of doing his own thing, and then this girl comes along and you know she's really powerful in the shining whatever starts reaching out to him and then kind of these big bads come into the picture and kind of want want the girl to kind of uh in a way like mine her powers and uh for their own and stuff so i don't want to give away too much of the book but um you know sometimes it's uh a little iffy going into a stephen king book on how to come out there's a lot of endings i don't like but this one was pretty solid all the way through um really liked the ending and then i i ended up enjoying it enough that i bought the uh both the shining and dr sleep in book form for my parents my parents are both like dean Koontz fans which makes me shudder a little bit but i shoved this in their face at christmas and i'm like here try something like this and see if you like it so sweet so do you think do you think we're going to be getting like a twelve part movie out of like, <laughs> Yeah, I heard about the uh, getting a two parter, and I I remember watching it as a kid. I never read the books, but uh, I, I don't think this would make quite for a twelve parter. Uh, <laughs> at least not a very good one. I I'm prone to exaggeration. That's what they tell me. So I, I'll recycle my joke. Get ready for the three part epic of Green Eggs and Ham in 2015. <laughs> yeah, I did. I did like that one. I I, I await the three part Green Eggs and Ham film. Thirty percent more Legolas. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he just shows up. Uh, <laughs> I will stab you, stab you, Sam. I am because I do not like Green Eggs and Ham. <laughs> nice. So I'll just go real quick because I haven't done an awesome thing. I would just like to recommend if you do not own Gotcha Man, the anime series, it came out on Blu-ray. And man, the picture is crystal, crystal clean on that. I really, really enjoyed looking at that. It's like one of those things where the anime is quite old, but it has all the episodes and I, I don't know what it is. I just, I like seeing, like, I mean, some people might think this is horrible, but I kind of like seeing whatever you perceive as the imperfections of things. Like, you can just see all the kind of, you know, hash lines and different things, and everything's very 
vibrant, you know, the colors, and, uh, you know, I appreciate that. So that is my my awesome thing of the week. So I believe that wraps up our Guardians of the Galaxy podcast tonight. We had a lot of cool, awesome things. Um, I, we really enjoy talking about Guardians of the Galaxy. I know I did. And so uh, we hope you will tune in to the film and tell us what you think of it. If you have read these comic books, maybe you can all send us emails at fanholespodcast at gmail.com and tell us when the first time you were exposed to Guardians of the Galaxy. If we've gotten you to try some Guardians of the Galaxy comic books, why don't you let us know what you think of them? If you think the Bendis Guardians of the Galaxy comic books are awesome and we're totally, we have our heads up our asses, tell us about that too. So, you, you know, we, we're on Facebook, we're on Twitter, we are now on Stitcher Radio, which I tried the app for the other day, and it was pretty cool. So, you know, try to listen to us on there. We're on Blip TV. We've got all kinds of fun projects coming out and coming your way soon. So please check all those out, whether they're side uh, sidecasts, podcasts, videos, uh, you know, all these different kind of spinoff shows that we have going on. So take a listen. Let us know what you think. And until the next time, this is going to be Derek, Derek WC, signing off. Hey guys, this is Brian Breakdown. See you later. Hi, this is Mike Cal of the planet. <laughs> I am Justin Block. This is Tony, and Brian read a book. I don't know what the fuck's going on anymore, anymore. Shit. Blam, I murdered you. Peace. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> Everybody, like, say something real quick before we start. Like, how do I sound to you, and how does everybody else sound to everybody else? You sound fine to me. What do I okay. sound like? You, you sound, sound, fine, sound fine Okay, and Brian sounds fine. I can hear Brian, yes. How does my stupid voice sound? You sound beautiful. Like ten times sexier. Good job. Uh, <laughs> hey, Justin, say, say something about Train Rangers for, like, two minutes so we get a gist of what's up. Uh, they're kind of ridiculous. Okay. All right. Yeah, it sounds like everybody's everybody's here. I just wanted to make sure.